Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to the Uncooperative Radio Show with Brian Bonner. The finest uncooperative conservative radio on the net. Kicking down the walls. Blowing away the smoke screens. You cockroaches, and you know who you are. You can run, but you can't hide. Brian Bonner stands for truth, justice, and the American way. Enemies of America, foreign and domestic, consider yourself on notice. Uncooperative Radio is coming for you. Okay, and welcome to the Uncooperative Radio Show. I'm your host, Brian Bonner from uncooperativeblogger.com. You're listening to uncooperativeradio.com. And I'm here with my lovely wife and producer, Susan Sello. Susan. Hello, American Patriots. Uh, what are we talking about today? Okay, first off, I want to thank Al Gore for the wonderful, wonderful global warming we are experiencing right now as it blows and snows. Yay. Also, my lovely husband is feeling under the weather. His sinuses are killing him, so bear with us. My sinuses aren't killing me. They're not. Everything else is killing me. <laughs> so, we start the show with the Pledge of Allegiance. I will introduce a new segment, how our government is undermining our President Trump. Palm Sunday is this weekend. We'll tell you what that means. Followed by the Second Amendment report and our military heroes. Then the new police state and space, the final frontier, if we get to it. Yay. All right, Patriots, hand over hard face the flag. You know, flag, get a flag. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. How our government is undermining President Trump. Starting with Commander-in-Chief, as per Article 2, Section 2. Go ahead, Susan. The President shall be Commander-in-Chief of the Army and Navy of the United States and of the Militia of the Several States, comma, when called into the actual service of the United States, semicolon. You're not reading the sentence right at all. I'm reading exactly what it says. When called into the actual service of the United States. Susan, it's a contiguous sentence. You're saying it like if they're two different statements. 
He may require the opinion in writing of the principal officer of each of the executive departments upon any subject relating to the duties of their respective offices. And he shall have power to grant reprieves and pardons for offenses. You're off topic. I started section two. Right. But you stop after it's talking about that. It goes on to other things. There's no sense reading it. Okay. That's nothing to do with commander in chief. Well, that's what they said. The president shall be commander-in-chief. That's what they started, the first sentence. Yes. Now read it till the period. I, I'm... And don't say comma. Just read it. I, I am. Do it again. I'm not starting from the beginning. It's a whole paragraph. I guess I'm going to read it. The president shall be commander-in-chief of the Army and Navy of the United States and of the militia of the several states when called into the actual service of the United States... That's it. The rest of it is unnecessary. It's nothing to do with commander in chief, you know, pardons and stuff like that. Um, no, and does it say anywhere in there? Now that I read the whole thing correctly, anything about uh, he's only commander in chief after Congress declares war? Does it say that? No. <clears throat> She's reading on because she doesn't believe me. No, I just want... Um, I like to read this. <laughs> During the show? Uh, anyway. So, no, it does not say the president is commander-in-chief after Congress declares war. Doesn't say that. Why not? Because declaring war and making war, or as Rand is doing it, initiating war is different than declaring war. Declaring war is an international legal thing you do. You put everybody on notice that if anybody helps that country, that that's an act of war and we're free to open up on you. Is that what you really want to do? You want to put all the countries on notice? If if they trade with them or do anything with them while we're at war with them, we're going to blow your, your ships out of the water and your planes out of the sky? Is that is that really what you want? That's just common sense. But forgetting common sense... Uh, how about, gee, the Congress debating for two weeks when to attack Syria, when to attack their air base. Do you think Syria will find out about that? Has Congress ever kept anything quiet? No. If they're debating on the floor, it'll be on C-SPAN. The whole world will watch it. Guess what? They'll harden their target or they'll move everything they care about and let us blow up nothing. It's stupid. And it's what the argument was in... In convention, which is now being taken out of context, there's another story. They decided that it was, they didn't want to have a bunch of people sitting around debating about when, how, and where to use our military because often military decisions need to be decisive, which means speedy. Can't be mulling about for two weeks. It's, it's no way to go, it's no way to fight a war. Um, so no, they decided. Okay, we're splitting the power. Now look at this: the this commander, the executive will be commander in chief of the military, but Congress will off the power to declare war. See, president can't declare war. He can say, "I'm declaring war," but he's not. He can't declare war. But he can. Use, but he can use the military to you. make war, to initiate war, as Rand puts it. Oh, yes. In fact, all through history, uh, Thomas Jefferson sent the fleet to go kill the Barbary pirates. 
It didn't tell Congress till after the fleet was long gone. What do you think Congress did about it? What do you, really, no, they had no problem with it at all because it's his power. But then they passed the authorization to use force. That started all the way back in the 1800s. Well, and Thomas Jefferson, it's pretty funny because Thomas Jefferson sent the Congress a letter after he had already sent the fleet and they were starting to get engaged. Right, because he doesn't have to, he doesn't, he well, has to keep them apprised. I mean, that's just, that's just common courtesy, I so mean, obviously, because they're going to be funding the war and that's their power. If they don't like it, they don't fund the war. This is if how they, it's If changed. he still doesn't listen to them, then they impeach him. This is how it's changed. President Trump sent a letter of the House of Representatives and to the Senate explaining why this is constitutional, what he did. That's how much things have changed, Brian, that he had to explain. Oh, he said, and he's going to continue to do what is necessary. Right. Without their pr- approval. He didn't say that, but it was that would implied. Be, that would be you. <laughs> you would say that. That's what Thomas Jefferson said to the Supreme Court when they thought they had authority over him. Go pound sand. Now, this is, I wanted to bring this up. Look at this. This is cute. This is in CNS News. It's cute? I don't think it's cute. This is CNS News, which I'm really shocked that they even did this. So this is a commentary. James Madison, president can use force without authorization only, quote, to repel sudden attacks. And look who they're saying it's by. It's by James Madison. That's fine. Um, Where did they, where did they get it from? James Madison's notes on the convention or or something else? Yep. You said, yep, that's, uh, it can't be both. What they did is, I'm going to go through it right now. They went through Madison's notes. See, Madison's August 17th. Okay, now here's the problem with doing it the way you cannot, you cannot take anything from Madison's notes out and pull it out and use it for anything. Because every debate is what his notes record. So they're three different sides to the same debate, but... What they decided in the end is what's important, not what Madison wanted. Madison wanted lots of stuff he didn't get, and he didn't get that. Simply, they said no. The president is commander-in-chief. End of conversation. Now, if you want to declare war, that's Congress's job because that is a deliberative process. I can't believe that they did this, though. I can't believe so, CNS did this. You can't take a paragraph out. Just because on August 17th, he said that. he He wasn't saying... This is what we decided. No, he's saying to them, this is what I want. But this isn't what he got. See, and they, they decided later, and they compromised, and they split the power. Commander-in-chief is the executive. Declaring war is Congress. Makes perfect sense. Making war, initiating war, has to be decisive and fast. It can't be, you can't be mulling about and waiting around, because before you know it, you'll be dead. But declaring war is a serious thing and a deliberative process. It could take all the time you want to declare war. It doesn't affect making war. See the difference? Deliberative. Congress. They republished Fast, decisive action. Executive. This this is from September 11, 2014, this article, that it's appearing right now on CNS's site, right? And they're quoting that the Obama administration is in power right now because it was 2014 right yeah 
So it says the Constitutional Convention, this is what they're prefacing it with. The Constitutional Convention dealt with this issue on August 17, 1787. Here are James Madison's notes on the debate in the convention that day that resulted in the pow- power being held by Congress. Wrong. Absolutely wrong. See, that was commentary. It doesn't say anywhere in there that. It, these are just debates. It, for, it, it has to go to has to go to committees. And there's all kinds of th- stuff involved with this. These are just their debates on the floor. You have to get to the point where they say, where they're, we're done. We're sending it to the committee of, oh, what the heck it was called? Style. That was it. To be legalized. And See, sent back this is, for approval. This is so misleading, Brian. Because look, it says, they have a quote, Mr. Pickney said, Mr. Butler said, Mr. Madison and Mr. Gary moved to insert, declare, striking out, make war, leaving to the executive the power to repel sudden attacks. No. no. <laughs> That's not what happened. <laughs> so this is not, again, they're not, no. these are just the daily, these are just debates. These aren't settled facts. Until it it is done, and just putting up the original handwriting note doesn't make I know, any difference. I know, isn't that cute? Again, if you're not going to read the whole of Madison's notes, then that then it ain't worth anything. And don't quote the Federalist Papers because they're erroneous. Yes, because Alexander Hamilton lies through his teeth. This is unbelievable if they did this. Again, I'm very disappointed in CNS News on this. This is outrageous. They believe this nonsense. Uh, Look, just like Red and Ron Paul believe this nonsense, just like they started in the damn Libertarian Party platform, it's incorrect. It is not what they decided. They decided the executive could use the military any time he wants. And then they do this, like you're saying. They put the hand... The two pages reproduced below are from James Madison's handwritten notes from the Constitutional Convention. Why wouldn't you? Why do you want the handwritten notes? Why do you just do the printed notes? Uh, what's showing, the showing how it's the a convention... book. You can buy it, ladies and gentlemen, online. Amazon has it. I'm sure we have it. Uh, you, but you can read it for free at the Avalon Project, which is what I used for the Patriots Pub. So, showing how the convention debated the war power and decided to give Congress the power to declare war, leaving to the executive only the power to repel sudden attacks. No. To make war, to decide, to initiate, to... It doesn't have to be repelled. But I don't like this touchy-feely, oh, he poisoned his own people, so now we're now we're going to go blow up stuff. Why is it our job to straighten them out? I get the idea. We're sending a message to everyone. And for that, which is what you're not hearing, I agree with the attack. With the intention of putting the world on notice, this too can be you. And it could be a lot worse. That was just a pinprick compared to what we could do. And yes, I know the muzzies are out there spinning. Oh, they didn't even hit anything. Oh, my, so many bombs just didn't even make it to the target. Oh, it's so, oh, it showed how weak the Americans were. This was so puny. It's like, doofish, you do know we have tactical nukes we could have hit you with, right? Bunker buster bombs, all kinds of crap. That was just a warning. But I would have been against it unless it was, and this is what people are not understanding. The whole world has now been put on notice. There's a new regime in town, and we're not a bunch of wussies. You... 
you make us angry, we blow you up. Simple. Now, the conspiracy theorists will say it's because, oh, well, they got off the Rothschild dollar, which means our dollar, the U.S. dollar. Uh, they had gotten off of that, it, it appears, months ago. Um, but I've seen I've seen uh, the actual declassified document that explains exactly why they're doing it. And you can, too, if you go online to my, any of my social places, you'll, it's, it's there. You can read it for yourself. He intends to put the world on notice. We're not going to have any of this. Nobody's going to be using chemical weapons. Nobody. Nobody's going to be committing atrocities. Nobody's going to get away with violating their trade agreements, violating uh, our goodwill, etc. And on to it. Now, the buzzy, oh, weak, weak, weak. That's what they do. Oh, see how weak they are. Blah, 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 blah. Propaganda spin, spin, blah, blah, blah. So, every time you hear, look, I said it under, when Obama was president, I said, I'm sorry. Uh, he is allowed to use the military to do all these things he was doing. He was attacking people all over the place, droning people, killing them with drones all over the place. That's, that's his purview. That's the president's actual constitutional authority. In fact, the only two things this government does that's constitutional is make war and collect taxes. That's it. Not one bill they put out is constitutional. Not one. U.S. How, how can you say that? Well, this is that simple. B- money going from the federal government back to the states is unconstitutional. There's nothing in there that allows for that. Nothing. There, no state aid either. Disaster relief, nothing. Nothing goes to the states. States pay the bill of the cost of the federal government. But the 16th Amendment screwed that whole system up. We didn't have to pay anything to the national government until the 16th Amendment. Our states did, based on the amount of people apportioned in their state, based on the census. You just pay your local and state taxes. They take care of the national government. And that's important, because they say, no, we're not going to fund that. No, we're not going to fund that. No, we're not going to fund that. You can't say that. See? But the states can. The legislative branch of the state and governor can say no. We're not paying for that. That's not constitutional. You see how the system worked before uh, Tommy the Commie, Woodrow Wilson screwed it all up with the 16th and 17th Amendments? And I do not believe the people signed that willingly. I cannot believe that they're propagandized to the point where they actually amended the Constitution to give the government the right to take taxes directly out of their paycheck. It doesn't sound like something the American people would do now, does it? But that is only a conspiracy theory. Not that Tommy the Commie Woodrow Wilson was an evil person. That's settled information. I have not done any information into investigating the amendments to see if they were properly, it it could be proven they were properly uh, amended, ratified. Uh, Until then, eh, I don't know. But we do need to repeal that 16th and 17th Amendment. I would do the 17th first, because the 17th will make the 16th easier. 
and then we can talk about the 14th. But anytime you bring up a convention of states, it better be just repealing those three things and nothing further. Nothing. Nothing. I don't want any fair tax talk. Nothing. You're not going to find a new way. The fair tax removes the 16th Amendment, which means you no longer have to pay taxes to federal government. Then they put in a national sales tax, so you have to pay the government. Every dollar you spend, they will be guaranteed 20, 21, 22%, whatever they're doing. They're guaranteed that. The more the economy grows, the more money they have and more the federal government will grow. This is the wrong direction. Here's a smart idea. Repeal the six and stop and burn and throw out that stupid book. The fair tax nonsense. There's another way. That person, normally intelligent person, makes a fantastic argument for the fair tax. So what? You made a good argument. The fair tax sucks, and I just told you why, and that's only one reason. I just told you why. We don't fund the government infinitum. We don't let the government have free reign. The point is to give it back to the states so they can tell them no. This is why I'm against the Convention of States, because there's too many people involved that think a bunch of things are a good idea. Like the Liberty Amendments, they all suck. They'll suck. And I'm not buying the book to do it again. <laughs> the Liberty Amendments suck. I don't care how good his arguments are. All that matters is the Constitution and how to get back to it. Amending something to add stuff into it to change the behavior of the national government when they're not following the Constitution to begin with is moronic at best. My God, someone smack Levin upside the head and wake him up. It borts too. Stupid fair tax. No. We want to go to a flat tax because that's constitutional equal protection under the law. Tax law is tax law. There's no brackets and this and that. No, just tax. That's number one. Flat tax. That's just a three, it's one page, three pieces of information. And we don't need the IRS. There's no deductions, there's no takeoffs, there's no nothing. There's just, how much did you make? Put it on line A. Next, times it by whatever the flat tax is, 10%.10, okay? Enter that here. That's line two. Now, mail that and the money to the Treasury. Treasury Department can do all of this. We don't need the IRS involved. Not for that. There's nothing. There's nothing to go over. There's just what. There's just. There's no deductions. Nothing. There's no problems. CPAs are out of business, by the way. Uh, which is, I'm sure, why they fight it tooth and nail. Oh, I'm so sick of people abusing my Constitution. And now i got people both on my side and the other side. Suddenly they found the Constitution, and they're trying to spin it every way they can. You don't have to listen to it. You don't have to believe it. You don't have to even wonder how you could know if it was true or not. Because I can tell you, you go to Patriots Pub, patriotspub.us. 
U.S. history, the Constitution, the Founding Fathers, just the facts. Please listen from episode one. It puts things into perspective. You can't miss anything. So you go, we're going to go all the way through the Articles of Confederation. We're going to go through the Constitutional Convention day by day using Madison's notes. You decide what it what the Constitution means. But I'll tell you what, when you're done with the PatriotsPub.us, you'll know the Constitution better than anybody you know. Well, maybe except me. So, he is the Commander-in-Chief. I, did, I said the same thing when it was Obama. He can use the military when, where, and how he likes. If he's abusing that power, again, that comes back to impeachment. That's a high crime, abusing power. High crimes and misdemeanors. High crimes aren't murder. High crimes like for citizens. No. High crimes is as simple as abusing power. All right, so then there's this from Trump Train News. Wildlife conservation groups. Excuse me are collaborating with a federal government agency to halt construction of the southern border wall by fudging science to claim that unimpeded trans-border corridors are essential to an endangered species, with 99% of its population in Mexico. Now, let me stop you here. I used to be the president and founder of the Coalition Against Illegal Immigration. This is exactly the argument they used during GW's time. And I don't know why they bothered because he didn't build the dang fence. Same thing. Oh, the Jaguar. You, this, is our, this is ancient news. They, 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 we did this already. Under George W. Bush, we did this. This is stupid. They do not require to come back and forth into the United States. They have 99% of its habitat is in Mexico. They can stay there and be happy. We don't need them here. And by the way, they were never here naturally. So um, I don't care. Put up the damn border wall and shut up. You progs, I don't give a crap how much you cry. In fact, when you cry, I smile. I'm using way too much energy. (sighs) Under the plan, large areas of Arizona and New Mexico would be prohibited from erecting a border wall so that jaguar, or as the car is called, jaguars, (laughs) something stupid, which don't even occupy the area, can roam back and forth between the two countries. More than three-quarters of a million acres in Arizona and New Mexico would be designated as critical habitat for jaguars under the Federal Endangered Species Act. Okay, let's start with that here. Show me in the Constitution where they have the power over species. Land, where they could just have parks or, or, or they could take care of endangered species at the expense of its citizens. Show me that in the Constitution. No, if it's not in the Constitution, they can't do it. You know, you just don't get this, do you? The Constitution doesn't tell them all the things they can't do. Just list certain special ones. If it doesn't say you can, you don't have the power. Because that means we didn't give it to you. See, we didn't give it to the government if it isn't in the Constitution. Therefore, any power not derived from the Constitution is not a law at all. 
and shall not be enforced. You know, she leaves, comes back, uh, the whole segment, and she holds up a sign she wants to go to commercial. It's time. As I said, you just got here. It's a soft break, not a hard break. But, uh, I'm exhausted anyway. Alright, we're going to a break. It's the Uncoffee Radio Show. You stay tuned, cause we'll be right back. You live here? Yes. Well, maybe you know what a zombie is. When a person dies and is buried, it seems there's certain voodoo priests who, who have the power to bring him back to life. Oh, horrible. It's worse than horrible because a zombie has no will of his own. You see them sometimes, walking around blindly with dead eyes, following orders, not knowing what they do, not caring. You mean like Democrats? Attention users of the blood-thinning drug Xarelto. If you took the drug Xarelto and experienced complications such as cerebral hemorrhage, gastrointestinal bleeding, or other internal bleeding, or if a loved one has died after taking Xarelto, you may be eligible to get a cash award for your suffering. Call the Xarelto Help Hotline now at 855-719-3101, 855-719-3101. To qualify for a cash settlement, you must file a claim before the deadline. So don't miss your opportunity for a cash settlement. Call 855-719-3101 now for a free no-obligation consultation. Our call center is open 24-7. So if you took the drug Xarelto and experienced cerebral hemorrhage, gastrointestinal bleeding, or other internal bleeding, or if a loved one has died after taking Xarelto, call the Xarelto Help Hotline at 855-719-3101, 855-719-3101. That's 855-719-3101. What is term life insurance? It's basically a financial protection plan for your family if you pass away. It can be a hard purchase. Think about it. It's one of the few major purchases you can make that you will personally never use. But you've got to have it to protect your family. And you owe it to yourself to shop and compare to get the best possible rates. For term life insurance policies of $500,000 or more, call the Term Lifeline today at 800-430-1891. 800-430-1891. See if you qualify for up to $1 million in coverage for as little as $3 a day. We'll gladly compare multiple carriers to get you the best possible rates. So call now. 800-430-1891. 800-430-1891. 800-430-1891. Sample rate cited requires qualifying medically in the preferred non-tobacco rate class. At 28, I had struggled with opiate and meth addiction for 12 years. I did and said things that the sober me never would have done. One day I realized I was not invincible. I was not exempt. And that's when a friend told me about elite rehab placement. They gave me the tools I needed to get sober, and all it took was the one phone call. Elite Rehab can help you start to break your addiction problem and get sober in as little as seven days. And we'll work with your insurance provider to help cover the costs. Plus, we have travel assistance programs to get you here by plane or train. Make this free call right now to learn more. 800-917-2194 800-917-2194 
That's 800-917-2194. If you're struggling to pay or haven't been making your student loan payments, listen carefully to this urgent alert. Have you been out of school for 10 or more years and you're still making your student loan payments? Are your student loans past due or even in default? Can't go back to school because of an old student loan problem? We can help you if you qualify. Your student loans can be taken out of default. We can stop the wage garnishments, stop the collection calls, and stop the seizure of your tax refund. Give yourself a break. Stop the stress and see if we can help you reduce your student loan payments. One quick 10-minute call could solve them right now. So call the Student Loan Helpline now. 800-215-6813 800-215-6813 This is a fee-based document preparation service to help you access free government programs. Call for complete details not available in all states. Welcome back to the Uncooperative Radio Show. We're half of one. Uh, you sure you wanted to do that? Uh, <laughs> do what? Do the yelling back. <laughs> I don't know. I just do what comes natural. <laughs> He's here for you guys. <laughs> All right. So. The the uh, critical habitat for jaguars under the Federal Endangered Species Act, which is unconstitutional, which specifically states that critical habitat can only be designated for the United States. All right. An act is a, is a piece of legislation, if you weren't sure. The Congress did pass this legislation. However, it has no authority to make the law in the first place, which makes it void. Some people don't get the notion of law, which is the national and state constitutions, and statutory law, which are statutes made in pursuant of said law, constitution, federal, and and state. If it's not based on the law, again, constitution of nation or state, it is not a law, it is void, and it shall not be enforced. You got it? It's that simple. It's not a hard thing to... I, I mean, it's hard to comprehend because of the courts, a hundred years of the courts, but uh, trust me on this. Don't give any power to the government that they don't have in writing. Those are contracts. We said, no, 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 we didn't give you that. Show me in here where it says you have the power to do that. Go ahead, show me. That's what you have to be. You have to be just like you're dealing with business. So, since the Endangered Species Act is based on nothing, it is nothing. But, let's move along into, this is how it is instead of how it's supposed to be. Now we're back to how it is, okay? Judicial Watch obtained records from Arizona's Game and Fish Department. Local governments and one of the biologists fight <clears throat> fighting 
the effort to designate the area a critical habitat for jaguars. It's been a years-long battle that started in 2012 when the Obama administration relaxed ESA requirements to make designation of critical habitat easier for U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. Let me explain what's wrong with this. This is theft from the states and the people. Stealing their land, first of all, even if they had a constitutional authority for parks and stuff like this, which they don't. It's not in the Constitution at all. No, I understand the Antiquities Act, but the Antiquities Act was based on nothing. So therefore, it is nothing. There's no power in the Constitution over conserving land, parks, or any other such nonsense. So, uh, so of course, they relaxed the requirements, which is already unconstitutional. We're never going to get back to the Constitutional Republic right now. I understand. Unless we take it back from the ground up, it can never be. Even if you took it back by force, what would you do? The idiots that don't know the Constitution are now, in ch- uh, are now the new idiots in charge. You, how, how can you abide by something or get back to something you don't even understand? So we're talking about theft of land by the national government. Because even when it has the authority under the Constitution for magazines, forts, blah, blah, and other needful buildings, it says they must get permission of the state legislature and pay for it. Have they paid them anything? No. Did they get their permission? No. Therefore, it's illegal. I don't even think that's difficult, a difficult thought process. But then, I, I know I've been studying this for way too long. Uh, this includes lowering site. Uh, when they lowered, made it easier for U.S. Fish and Wildlife. This includes lowering scientific standards, which, I'm sorry, uh, there are no scientific standards already that was in there that was worth anything. Don't remember the idiots that took the fur from an endangered species fox and shoved it in some tree bark and said, look, this is proof that it lives here, and therefore do we got to block this from all mankind? Yeah. They believed them. It happened, and then we no. Oh, oh, then investigation sued. There was something wrong. It was tested. Wait, the DNA on the fur was a little off. It was. It turns out it was for some species that was extinct. Yes, the guy used where he worked to get fur from an an extinct animal to shove it in tree bark so that people would. Do what he wanted, which was keep us all away from people. Leave it for the animals. I don't know. It seems the animals adjust pretty well if you leave them alone. So anyway, a scientific standard, the scientific community is a laughing stock right now. And essentially caving into leftist groups. Yes, but the way he's doing it isn't explaining it right. They were in concert, or how they like the left is using the word collusion. Yes, they were, they colluded. (laughs) Uh, 
What was they saying? I told you I don't feel good. <laughs> Scientists and collusion and left. Oh, yeah, because they, the EPA would do this. All right, the, the idiot eco-Nazis would file the lawsuit, and they'd make a bunch of motions, and then the other side would make a bunch of motions, and then uh, they agree. Then the government would agree to settle out of court, giving them exactly what they want. Plus all their legal fees paid for, and they were they were doing it every case. It was they never intended to go to to go to trial. They would have lost, but if they settle out of court, they could do whatever they want, and that was the game. They just settled every case out of court, and they gave it to the Enviro Nazis. Now the game's changing. Scientific standards, please. The result, according to biologist and attorney Dennis Parker, is more restrictions on private property, grazing, mineral exploration, of which, oh my God, they're in tears over. They're going to explore for oil. They're going to drill for oil in the Arctic and in the shore of California. Oh, suck it up. Well, out here they would say cowboy up, but. Uh, where were we? Grazing mineral exploration and development, not to mention national security. Furthermore, no scientifically verifiable record of jaguar breeding exists in the area. And only lone transient male jaguars are occasionally and peripherally occurrent, Parker said. In a document addressed to USFWS, U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, Arizona's Game and Fish Department states that habitat essential to the conservation of the jaguar does not exist in either Arizona or New Mexico. It would be nor. Under any scientifically credible definition of the term. Oh, now you're talking about credible. This, you said scientific standards. Now you're talking about being credible. These are two different things. <laughs> Scientist, a scientist says I automatically assume he's lying. They've now, now it's the reputation of politicians in my world. One of the world's leading big cat experts, Dr. Alan Rabinowitz, confirms that less than one percent of the jaguar habitat in the world is in the United States. One percent of jaguar habitat in the world. I didn't even know we had jaguars here. I know we have mob, bobcats, mountain lions. Panthers. Pan- oh, yeah, and jaguars. Yeah. Florida had jaguars at one point. Panthers, I know, were in Florida at one point, too. Well, yeah, black panther is, what is, uh, wait a minute, that confuses everybody. It's a panther that is black. Just, it's a jaguar. Really? Yeah. Just uh, There's a mountain lion. Uh, man, my brain is toast. Uh Mountain lion is also a panther, and something else is another name for it. Depending on where you are in the country, they have different names for the same things. You know, the brown panthers. Yeah, they hunt them here in Montana. Right. They're allowed to with dogs, too. Yep. Because it's next to impossible to catch, it's next to impossible to get these things. They're too smart, too fast, too agile, uh, and without the dogs, you'd never catch them. Right. 
All right, so where was I here? See, with look, the, that's uh, so funny, though, Brian. They're trying to uh, preserve them, and then here in Montana, we kill them. <laughs> well, if they let us, we'd kill everything here because we didn't want wolves and grizzly bears here anymore. That's why we killed them in the first place. <clears throat> so anyway, where were we with the uh, ecosystems here? And uh, Rabinowitz is uh... all right. So. Uh... Dr. Rubenwitz. One percent. The renowned wildlife expert heads a nonprofit devoted to the conservation of 38 wildcat species and their ecosystems. Jaguars are among them, and two Arizona municipalities, the city of Sierra Vista and Cochise County, that will be heavily impacted by the proposed federal measure, are citing Rabinowitz's work to halt the problematic Jaguar recovery plan. Rabinowitz refers to the federal plan as little more than smoke and mirrors that uses assumption, and you know what happens when you assume you make an ass out of you and me, and speculation as fact to justify defining critical habitat in the United States for a species which simply does not live in the United States and has not resided there as a population for at least half a century. <laughs> half a century. My God. Furthermore, oh, well, they want to take us back to the Stone Ages. That, that doesn't an argument that they take. Oh, they would never... Econuts? No, oh, they'll never listen to that. Good. That's right. But we killed it off and we're going we're gonna to put it back. That's, that's their mantra. <sighs> Furthermore, Rabinowitz says the jaguar south of the border is doing quite well and has genetic connectivity through designated landscape corridors. If USFWS makes its scientifically flawed jaguar recovery plan an official agency policy, it will cost American taxpayers some $607 million in the next five decades. Record show. In a recent document, that's almost how much it's going to cost to build the wall, right? No, I'm sure it's in the billions. Oh, man. In a recent document to US FWS, a coalition of counties and cities in Arizona and New Mexico, as well as the Pima Natural Conservation District, remind the federal agency about the faulty science behind the proposed Jaguar recovery plan. Huh. <clears throat> the plan. I lost my spot again. Well, are you done with this? Because, I mean, I think you made your point. Or was it almost over? It's almost over. Oh, okay. I just lost my spot. Uh, the plan, uh, the group refers to it as the Radical Departure from Sound Science Policy Endangered Species Act Interpretation and the Clear and Present Danger to National and Citizen Security. Why does everything have to have such a long name? In this case, the ESA is being used to further a political agenda, Parker insists, adding that the supposed need for unimpeded transborder corridors is based on opinion and value-laden beliefs rather than scientific information as the ESA actually requires. doesn't matter. It's con- constitutional anyway. All this junk science will become enshrined as science for the Jaguar, Parker said, adding that if USFWS adapts the Jaguar recovery plan, I'm pretty sure I'm supposed to say plan, as a policy, it will affect everything from interstate highway travel 
to border security. All for something that is made up. Congratulations. That's why this segment is called How Everybody's Trying to, to Stop President Trump's Agenda. Well, to be fair, I said they, they started under GW. Yeah, I know, but I mean, they ramped it up. And to be frank, he never intended to build the wall. He didn't want to build the wall. He's a Mexican lover. He married a Mexican. His wife is Mexican. He had a whole town in Texas when he was governor, taking over completely by illegal aliens, run by illegal aliens, all business done in Spanish. Not a complaint from him. Can you imagine? I know. It said, well, you have to file, but they had to file with the state in English. You call that English? I read what they filed. It, these people do not know English at all, and they're running the government. And nobody says, I'm sorry, illegal aliens cannot run for office. So G.W. Bush was a clown and full of crap, and <clears throat> I keep trying to say there's left wing progressives and right wing progressives what most people call rhinos and neocons those are the right wing conservatives i mean the right wing progressives sorry so oh yes there's the right and left the left tend, tend to want to go fast and the right kind of tends to go slow but they're all part you know, they're all going in the same direction in our one party system that i call circus and bread because it is but but uh, the circus is getting more entertaining and the bread is a little more tasty already all right, from Breitbart. The Senate voted just before noon Friday to confirm Judge Neil Gorsuch to the nation's highest bench. The vote, originally set for Friday evening, was moved up to the morning after Democrats agreed to waive part of the final debate period. Gorsuch, President Donald Trump's pick to replace conservative anchor of the court, Justice Antonin Scalia. Boy, they have a love affair with this guy. He was he had his problems. Was confirmed by a vote of 54 to 45. With Democrats, Heidi Hetkamp, Democrat North Dakota, Joe Manchin, Democrat West Virginia, and Senator Joe Donnelly, Democrat Indiana, joining a unanimous Republican caucus. See, now that's what you wanted to know. And you gave me this article, and I was very pleased because you were saying that. I was wondering who voted for and who voted against. Well, all the Republicans voted for, and these Democrats voted for, and all the rest of the Republicans voted against. I mean, uh, Democrats. Right. So they, they already had the 51 Republicans. So this by these three Democrats is pure politics because of where they're from. North Dakota, West Virginia, you know, they don't want their Democrats to be liberal. They want their Democrats to be conservative. I know it's odd. They want them to be like JFK time. <clears throat> so, by already knowing they were going to lose the vote, they decided to go ahead and vote with the Republicans, and they covered their political backside, and it didn't matter because it was going to pass anyway. Judge Gorsuch's nomination process was among the most contentious in American history. No, it wasn't. No, Tara's <laughs> No, it wasn't. I wish people would stop talking about history they don't know. You don't know that. These people don't know American history. 
After assembling the pledges of 41 Senate Democrats to initiate the first partisan filibuster of a Supreme Court nominee, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, Democrat New York, sought to prevent a vote of the full Senate. This set up a showdown over Senate cloture rules that resulted Thursday in Republicans invoking the constitutional option. The nuclear option. They're just trying to take it over and abolishing the filibuster for Supreme Court nominees. The partisan animosity of the nomination continued into the vote. Now, let's get honest here. All the stomping and screaming and crying by the Democrats. Let's flip this over to the last time they were in charge. Hmm, I seem to remember Harry Droopy Dog Reed saying, we've just changed the rules, and now... It only requires an up and down vote for nominees. Then old McDonald gets back in charge. Now, now riddle me this. He changes the rules back. So he effectively puts an impediment in the way of his, of his so-called agenda. But his agenda is, was Obama's agenda. It wasn't, wasn't what we, what we wanted or expected. I don't understand how these progs still remain in power in both the Senate and the House. How? Why are the leaders all progs? What? That tells you how bad the Republican caucus really is. Most of them are progs. All right. Though so the partisan NOSC nomination uh, continued into the vote, Senator Michael Bennett, Democrat, Colorado, representing Gossett's home state voted against his fellow Coloradan. He had previously sought to chart a middle path, voting at least to allow a vote of the full Senate before the constitutional option was used. Come on, you don't change the words. It's a nuclear option. Chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee, Senator Chuck Grassley, Republicans, <laughs> Republicrat, uh, Iowa, took to the floor immediately after confirmation to thank his staff for their work throughout the momentous proceedings. The Senate moved on to invoke cloture on President Trump's pick for Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein. Gorsuch is now expected to be formally sworn in on Monday and will join his eight fellow justices in an investiture ceremony to be held later this month. That's right. We have now made another 5-4 conservative, supposedly. I don't, Kennedy used to be a swing vote. He's going to go back to it again, you know. Because he has fun with that. He has power over it. He likes it. He digs it. Just like Sandra Day O'Connor did. Oh, yeah. Don't, oh, she's a wood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's a, she enjoyed the heck out of it. And she also enjoyed playing large and loose with textualism instead of originalist. You know, I didn't know how young he is. He's only 49 years old. He's younger than me. Yeah, it could be it could be forty years. We've changed the court for forty years. Now I don't know what's going to happen, but there's, there's a lot of old people on that uh, Supreme Court. I imagine at least one more is going to peel off uh, in this four years, and that would be a wonderful opportunity for more tasty bread. Yeah, it's just disgusting that we have to even care about the Supreme Court. Okay, got to go to break. Some corporate radio show. You stay tuned because we'll be right back.
changes in the military fostered by the Clinton administration have provided the opportunity to create an elite new fighting force. The Big K-1. Their mission? Nail Saddam Hussein. Well, who does this nails anyway? You're quiet, soldier. Uh, listen up, uh, man. Uh, we'll be leaving for Baghdad from Fort Dix. Let's go. Oh, my gosh. It's, it's Flack. Roberta Flack. I love her. We're here. We're on fire. We're flaming. And going down. We with us again next time when the crack soldiers close in on Saddam. Oh no, Stan! It's a good thing I wore my combat song. On the Big K-1. And now from Hezbollah Toys, just in time for Ramadan. The good and peaceful people at Wacky.com and Hezbollah bring you... Jihad Joe action figure. Pull his string and he shouts Allah Akbar and kill the infidels. Pull it again and Jihad begins to sweat profusely and screams, Everyone back up or I will blow myself up. On the third pull, Jihad Joe shouts, I am serious. On the fourth and final pull, Jihad Joe begins to say something we cannot quite make out before exploding in a dazzling and immensely gratifying display of holy fire and smoke. For added fun, dress Jihad in a burqa before detonation. Get your Jihad Joe today. Supplies are limited, and once they are gone... Thank Allah they are gone. Coming soon, Burqa Barbie. Hello, I'm Frank Bartles, and this here's my partner, James Brown. As the weather starts getting too hot... Too hot! We hope you will reach for one of these. New Bartles and James Brown wine cooler. It tastes good. They come in three funky flavors. Gravity grape. Get down. Crime of passion fruit. Oh, kill my And my personal favorite, papaya. Papaya's got a brand new bag. It'll get you off faster than a big city lawyer. And a single pack serves six to ten. Just like James. <laughs> New Bartles and James Brown wine coolers. The cooler cooler. Made in the cooler. Now behind bars everywhere. And uh, thank you for your support. Our hidden cameras caught Mrs. Helen Grouse of Columbus, Ohio in the act of shoplifting at an A&P store. We asked other shoppers if they'd be deterred from shoplifting if we punished Mrs. Grouse by killing her. Let's listen. Excuse me, ma'am. Have you ever shoplifted? Well, well, yeah, yes, I have. Oh? Uh-huh. Yeah, on occasion I snitched a can of salmon or a jar of artichoke hearts. Well, let me ask you this. What? Here is a woman we just caught shoplifting. Oh, boy. Now, if we were to punish her mm-hmm. by killing her mm-hmm. right now, would that convince you not to shoplift? Uh, I, I don't know. It's it's kind of an impulse sort of thing, and I really doubt if you'd kill her. I mean, I'd have to say I, 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 I'd probably shoplift again. I see. Well, watch this. We are... Now, what have we done? Well, uh, uh, you just shot her in the head. And would you say that she's dead? Well, her whole head is blown off. Yeah, she's she's dead all right, yeah. Now, let me ask you again. Do you think we've convinced you not to shoplift? Well, I have to say I'd never shoplift again. Why do you say that? Well, you just proved to me that you'd kill someone if they shoplifted. I saw it with my own eyes. You're not just saying that. No, no, no. I'm really convinced. You won't change your mind. Nope. I'll never shoplift again. At A&P, we won't stop trying till we make you say... We are...
I have found that a certain type that calls himself a liberal, and I always thought I was a liberal. <laughs> I came up terribly surprised one time when I found that I was a right-wing conservative <laughs> extremist. When I have listened to everybody's point of view that I ever met, and then decide how I should feel. I mean, but these this so-called new liberal group, uh, Jesus, they never they never listen to your point of view, and they make a decision as to what you think, and uh, they're articulate enough and in control of enough of the press to force that. Uh, uh, image out for the average person. This is Jeff Carlisi from the band 38 Special. On behalf of all my conservative rocker friends, I'd like to thank the brave members of our fine armed forces for putting their lives on the line every day to protect our liberty. Thank you. Uncooperative Radio Show, Hour Two. Oh. Sound like crazy chicken. <laughs> yeah, we have a crazy rescue French chicken <laughs> rooster. It's a crazy looking rooster, man. <laughs> Looks like a Rastafarian rooster. All right, so Palm Sunday. This weekend. Huh? This weekend. Easter's right around the corner. Yeah, that's nice. I just said a word. <laughs> I was putting it in context. Okay. So when is Palm Sunday? Sunday. This is Sunday. <laughs> no, it's not. I know. All right, here we go. Uh, Palm Sunday from Share Faith. Palm Sunday is one of the most important days in the Christian calendar after Christmas and Easter. Palm Sunday is the Sunday before Easter and marks the beginning of Holy Week, the week of events leading up to Jesus' death. The history of Palm Sunday. The celebration of Palm Sunday originated in the Jerusalem church around the late 4th century. The early Palm Sunday ceremony consisted of prayers, hymns, and sermons recited by the clergy while the people walked to various holy sites throughout the city. At the final site, the place where Christ ascended into heaven, the clergy would read from the Gospels concerning the entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. In the early evening, they would return to the city reciting, Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. The children would carry palms and olive branches as the people returned through the city back to the church, where they would hold evening services. Now, guess how many attacks are going to be happening over in Jerusalem, because not only we're we also going to highlight uh, Passovers happening this week. So this is a very holy week for the Jews and for Christians. And as such, they're going to be in Jerusalem in droves. And what do you think the fuzzy muzzies are going to do? Well, if they can, they're going to blow them up. 
Right. Exactly. Right. We're there to celebrate life, okay, and resurrection, and uh, they're there to celebrate yeah. death. Yeah. You know, Christians feel about dying for your religion. Not nearly as excited as Muslims. Thank you. <laughs> they are very excited to die. <clears throat> That's the only way to get rid of, get away from Islam. It's worth dying to get away from that hellhole religion. Cult. Well, it's more than a cult. It's, it's not that simple. It's it's a blueprint to take over the world. That's what it is. Anyway, by the 5th century, the Palm Sunday celebration had spread as far as Constantinople, which is now called Istanbul. If you wondered, what, why did we fight the Muslim? Those evil crusaders... No, well, <laughs> no, they took over all of the Holy Lands, the Middle East, uh, Af- North Africa. They came all the way up into Europe as far as Cordoba, Spain. That's when the church had enough and dispatched the Crusades. So it was in response to Muslims invading Europe that the Crusades occurred. It wasn't the wasn't the church's religiosity or anything? You no, know, no, it was self preservation at this point. Uh, by the 5th century, uh, Constantinople. Changes made in the 6th and 7th centuries. All right, we're, we're, this is muzzy time now. Resulted in two new Palm Sunday traditions. The ritual blessing of the palms and a morning procession instead of an evening one. Adopted by the Western Church in the 18th century. The celebration received the name Dominica in Palmas, or Palm Sunday. This was one of my mother's favorite Catholic uh, holidays. She loved Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday commemorates the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. Gospels record the arrival of Jesus riding into the city on a donkey, while the crowd spread their cloaks and palm branches on the street and shouted, Hosanna to the Son of David, and blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord to honor him as their long-awaited Messiah and King. Yes, Jesus was a Jew. He was going to go celebrate Passover. <laughs> well, it's not about celebrate. You have to be in inside with a door that was marked with, uh, she, I think it was goat's blood or sheep's blood. I can't remember which. So, yeah, if you were out, and that, everything died. Everything died that wasn't protected, period. As as they found out in Egypt, the significant where was I? Uh, yeah, Messiah. The significant of Jesus riding a donkey and having his way paved with palm branches is a fulfillment of a prophecy spoken by the prophet Zechariah. Nine nine, in biblical times, the regional custom called for kings and nobles arriving in procession to ride on the back of a donkey. The donkey was a symbol of peace. Those who rode upon them proclaimed peaceful intentions. The laying of palm branches indicated that the king or dignitary was arriving in victory or triumph. That explains why uh, you always see monks riding donkeys. Oh, yeah? In old movies? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They always had a donkey. Yeah. What was, what was that? <laughs> Forget her, the actress. I mean, they were just uh, mimicking what they saw. It was a but Clint, this is why. It was a Clint Eastwood movie. It means peace. See, they're riding a donkey. No one's going to kill him. Uh, one of the old Clint Eastwood movies. 
and if I'm not mistaken, oh, had the nun on it. With yeah, the don- she was on a little donkey. Yep. <laughs> a burrow. <laughs> we wanted burrows. We were thinking about donkeys. Donkeys. Mm. Burrow is Spanish. All right, anyway, so, yes, he, he rode into town as a king that's being peaceful. Yep. Peace, that's that's the key, right? Well, it didn't last long. All right, push the button. Mr. President, members of Congress, you've been making a lot of noise about taking our guns away. But you might want to review history. 1835. Gonzales, Texas Territory. The authorities wanted to confiscate the big gun that protected that colony. You know what the people said? Come and take it. Because they were willing to fight for their freedom and their guns. So are we. Come and take it if you want it. Come and take it if you think you can. Come and take it, but I warn you. You'll have to pry it from our cold dead hands. We want the freedom that God gave us. So you best not cross that line. If you want this gun, you gotta come through us and take it. One shot at a time. Just like Gonzalez, we're keeping our guns. Thank you, Steve Voss. And of course, it's time for the Second Amendment report. From the Salt Lake Tribune. Police have identified a man who was shot and killed early Thursday after kicking in the door of a Salt Lake City apartment. Pulega Danny Tupu, 33, of West Valley City, died in the living room of the apartment at 731 South 300 East, police said Friday. Tupu has a long history of mostly misdemeanor convictions for petty crimes dating back to 2002, according to a search of Utah court records. Tupu was one of two men dressed in black with hoods who rushed into the apartment at about 3 a.m. The second man who entered the apartment also was shot and apparently made it outside to an apartment building's lawn before collapsing. This is the kind of armed citizen you like when they die. He was initially listed as critical condition. Nope, cost me money. He's not dead. It's still, he, it, the, the whole emergency room visit, it costs a fortune. But later upgraded to serious condition. Oh, he's hanging in there. That's costing me more money. Brian Sand, who lives at the apartment, told the Tribune that after working a late shift... He was still awake in the living room at about 3 a.m. Thursday, while his brother and 29-year-old son had long since gone to bed. There were suddenly loud bangs on his third-story door. He said, like someone trying to kick it in. I jumped up and yelled, what the hell, said Sant, who uh, has lived at the Park Palace at City Center Apartments for about three years. The door gave way, he said, and two men entered, one holding a two-foot-long metal pipe. A Marine veteran, Sand said he began scuffling with the men in the living room. That's when St. Sun heard the commotion 
emerged from a bedroom with a handgun and started firing. Said said he and his two family members were not hurt during the episode. He said he didn't know the men or why they picked his apartment to invade, but he said they picked the wrong place. You got veterans living around in these apartments, Sans said. You don't know who's got a gun. That's exactly right. And the more that information gets out, the less likely you are to be robbed. You gun haters could put a red light on your porch. That means gun-free zone. Come in and take all my stuff. Come on, you don't think guns matter? Give it a shot. From Bozeman Daily Chronicle, that's here in Montana. The House of Representatives gave preliminary approval Tuesday to a bill meant to preserve Montana's right to bear arms by prohibiting the enforcement of any federal ban on firearms or ammunition. The House passed Senate Bill 99 on a 60-40 vote. It will be up for a final vote on Wednesday. How, the House, how does the House pass the Senate? Uh, I, I don't know. I just read these things. They write them. The bill passed out of the Senate in February on a 30-20 vote before moving to the House. It would establish the Montana Federal Firearm Magazine and Ammunition Ban Enforcement Prohibition Act. Oh, okay, see what they're doing here now. Representative Seth Bergley, oh, they, yeah, the Senate passed it, and, and then the House passed it with a 60-40 vote, which is confusing. You see, you see House and 60-40, you're like, no, it's a Senate vote, but that's federal. Hmm. Man, I don't feel good. Sorry. Representative Seth Bergley, Republican Joliet, is carrying the bill in the House for Senate Carrie Smith, Republican Billings. We did add a couple of amendments to it to allow for federal assistance, as long as it is not for the primary purpose of prohibiting, restricting, or requiring any of the federal bans, Bergley said. At the bill's first hearing in the House, Patrick Audit, lobbyist for the school administrators of Montana, opposed the bill and said it would allow firearms on school campuses. Yes, thank I hope it does. Thank God. If an officer couldn't enforce that law, that would be a problem. We would be opposed to that, Audit said. Yeah, we have anti-gun nuts here, mostly Californians that moved in our left coasters. And uh, they, they drive us nuts. It, it's a couple of really cold winters and we'll be rid of them. That's coming. It's, it's bound to come around sooner or later. Oh. Now, if I could just convince my... House and Senate to pass a bill prohibiting students in Montana colleges that are out-of-state students from voting in our elections. That would really clean things up around here. Most of your places, anyway. All of you should be trying to do this. Why do you want out-of-state people voting in your elections? Besides, they end up voting twice. They vote absentee from where they're from, and they vote physically where they are. No, you could just vote absentee from where you come from. You're an out-of-state student. You don't get to vote. But right now they do, and they and they can drastically change an election. 
So that needs to be changed. All right, from Bearing Arms. Consistently, the dumbest argument put forward by gun control supporters, wow, they found the dumbest one? (laughs) It's some pretty dumb stuff. Is the idea that the Founding Fathers one of the best educated and most intelligent groups of men ever assembled in the world, in world history, I agree, simply couldn't have imagined that modern firearms could be invented, and so that the natural right of citizens to own these rifles couldn't possibly exist. Did you know they had repeating firearms back then? They were just way too expensive? They, yeah, they had repeating firearms back then. So they knew what repeating firearms were. This is, of course, an argument from a position of deep ignorance, as multi-shot, magazine-fed weapons were already around for hundreds of years prior to the writing of the Second Amendment. Everybody's going, no way, that's got to be fake news. No, it's not. It's history. Further, you can look it up. I don't ask you to trust me. I said it's history. Go look it up. Further, the same founding fathers who privately owned muskets, rifles, mortars, cannons, and warships capable of reducing a coastal city into rubble also owned multi-shot, magazine-fed weapons like the Garandoni, first fielded in combat in the 1770s in Europe. Thomas Jefferson sent west with Lewis and Clark. David Koppel does a savage takedown of his absurd argument so often made by gun control supporters via televisions and smartphones, on blogs, and via social media apps, which they insist they have a right to do despite their truly unimaginable technology. Gun control advocates often argue that gun control laws must be more restrictive than the original meaning of the Second Amendment would allow because modern firearms are so different from the firearms of late 18th century. As pointed out, they had mortars, cannons, and yes, even warships. Oh, somebody think we should allow people to have tanks? I think the Founding Fathers have said yes to that. Cannons, mortars, and a warship. Trump's a tank. Well, you said that anything that the military can have, we can have. Yeah, but bearing arms, meaning something you carry. Right, right. That's the real intent of it. uh, But, I mean, there was no restrictions on them having warships either. They were just two separate ideas. If you had the money to have a warship, who's going to... Tell you what you can and cannot have anyway. I have a warship. I know because blow we, you up because we were free, <laughs> and that helped us in a revolution because we had, we did have privateers. Gun control advocates often argue that gun control laws must be more restrictive because of it's so much more more modern. This argument is based on ignorance of the history of firearms. It is true that in 1791, the most common firearms were handguns or long guns that had to be reloaded after every shot. But it is not true that repeating arms, which can fire multiple times without reloading, were unimagined in 1791. To the contrary, repeating arms long predate the 1606 founding of the first English colony in America. As of 1791, repeating arms were available but expensive. This article explains why the price of repeating arms declined so steeply. Then it describes some of the repeating arms that were already in use when the Second Amendment was ratified, including the 22-shot rifle that was later carried on the Lewis and Clark expedition. 
one of the men to credit for why repeating arms became much less expensive during the 19th century is James Madison, author of the Second Amendment. During Madison's presidency, 1809 to 1817, Secretary of War James Monroe, who would succeed Madison as president, successfully promoted legislation to foster the development of firearms technology. Okay, now you're going to have to stop right there because you and I have talked about this off air when I was doing the copy. Because you said that that's unconstitutional, but then you have to explain it. Okay. Because James Madison is the founder of the Constitution, one of the founders You're, of the Constitution. Well, one of the jobs of the government is procurement of uniforms and weapons, ammunition, medical supplies, food, etc., for the military. So, he wanted better firearms. And he gave the contract to whoever got the contract, I don't know. Right, but they promoted legis- legislation for that. To foster the development of firearm technology. Yeah, well, it's pursuant to the power of arming the military. They're allowed to spend money on that. That's constitutional. Okay. They're not allowed to spend money on a, on a company to create solar panels. No. They're not allowed to do legislations or rules also about sex changes. No, there's, <laughs> there's no power over sex. Or sexual orientation well, but, but Brian, in the but Constitution. It's, it, it's the military, though, Brian. They have power over the military. They do. And they, they can make whatever rules they want, and they, including that one, except your phone just went dead. You did this to our show again. I bet you you didn't have it plugged in again. Uh, Susan, you got, you know, I don't even feel like be doing this to begin with. In particular, the federal armories at Springfield, Massachusetts, and Harper's Ferry, Virginia, were ordered to invent the means of producing firearms with interchangeable parts. Now, this is talking to, this is different, this is talking to the federal armories. The federal armories are constitutional. And they're under the power of, the yes, the national government. So, they were ordered to invent the means of producing firearms with interchangeable parts. That's because that makes it easy to swap parts and fix firearms. To function reliably, repeating firearms must have internal components that fit together very precisely. Much more precisely than is necessary for single-shot firearms. Before President Madison and Secretary Monroe started the manufacturing revolution... Firearms were built one at a time by craftsmen, making a repeating arm required much more time and expertise than making a single-shot firearm. How to make repeating arms was well known, but making them at a labor cost the average person could afford was impossible. Thanks to the technology innovation labs created at Springfield and Harper's Ferry, inventors found ways to manufacture firearms components at a higher rate. And with more consistency for each part. But It's plugged in, the battery is full, and it's saying it's negative 101. It's not doing anything, so I suggest you to uh, go fix it. It said it's full. It's saying negative Susan, 101. What you should are gonna I do? Have, you're going to have to reboot it and start over. That's what you're going to have to do. <clears throat> Why? 
Well, you know, I don't want to tell you either. Because it says everything's working. It says it's connected, but it's not connected. I know. I don't know what's going on. Well, this is what's going on. Your phone needs to be rebooted, and you're wasting time. You know, I'm really tired of all these problems. Hurry it up. Thanks. Uh, bring it over here, so Just get the phone. Thanks to the Technology Innovation Labs created at Springfield and Harper's Ferry, inventors found ways to manufacture firearms components at a higher rate and with more consistency for each part. Instead of every part being made by hand, parts were manufactured with machine tools, tools that make other tools. For example, the wooden stocks for rifles could be repetitively manufactured with such precision that any stock from a factory would fit any rifle from the factory with no need for craftsmen to shave or adjust the stock. Koppel goes on to note, we did not limit any right to 18th century technologies, a fact specifically mentioned by the United States Supreme Court Heller's decision. Gun control simply doesn't have a constitutional leg to stand on. I don't know what you did, but we're back. I just unplugged it. Yeah, you walked over here. That's what you did. Um, hold on a second, ladies and gentlemen. Tell me what that says. And if it says what I think it says, you better go back over there. Anyway, uh, gun control simply doesn't have a constitutional leg to stand on. Which gun control supporters would know if they used Google? Anyway. What does it say, Susan? 109. I don't think that's good enough, Susan. 107. Go back to where it was 101. And if it's full, don't bother plugging it in. Lord knows what happened that caused it to kick me off the air. I don't really know. I do know it happened 822. <clears throat> Couldn't be an alarm. No 822 alarm. And I know she's going to have something she wants to play, and I don't have anything. Anyway, it's okay for you know, the Springfield Armory to have uh, created manufactured firearms uh, under the orders of James Madison. That's not the same thing, again, of saying, I want scientific development, so here's, here's $100 billion of my taxpayers' money. Now, you don't get to do that. However... If they're already your armorers, you can order them to do whatever you like because they're part of the government. So that that's the difference. You know, if the part that they always talk about science and education and all that, that the, they're supposed to promote that by copyright, trademarks, and copyright, trademarks... I forget the third one now. Basically, protections on intellectual property. 
So your thoughts and ideas are protected from being stolen from you. That's how. That's what it says. In order to promote the science education, this has to be. See? It's not that, it's not that bad. But anyway, um... Oh, man. Sorry about that. It seems that, uh, oh, man. I am out of it. Oh, my. I guess I have to go on because she's just taking way too much time to do a very simple thing. So it's time for our military heroes from Fox News. One in World War II's Greatest untold stories began on April 8th, 1942, when Lieutenant General Jonathan Wainwright, the commander of the U.S. Army in the Philippines, ordered the evacuation of military and civilian nurses to the island of Corregidor. A month later, Corregidor fell and 77 American nurses were captured by the Japanese, becoming the largest group of female prisoners of war. Known as the Angels of Bataan and Corregidor, the group continues to hold the distinction of not losing a single member during their three years in the Santo Thomas internment camp. It is not that they were some of the first women POWs that made them special, but that they were average American from average towns and they survived in a horrific environment while never losing their commitment to serving their patients, says Bernice Fisher granddaughter of U.S. Army nurse Mary Bernice Brown Menzi. Fisher tells Fox News her grandmother entered the prison camp in 1942, weighing 130 pounds, but had dropped to 75 pounds when she was liberated in February 1945. Many of the women sought assignment in the Philippines prior to December 1941, when the Pacific was relatively peaceful and where they enjoyed dances and other luxuries. But that changed after the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor and then launched an invasion of the Philippines. For months, the nurses faced constant attack by Japanese planes, deteriorating conditions, and dwindling rations. There were 77 American women who became POWs, And there were 77 who walked out in 1945. This is unprecedented, particularly for women who had no formal survival training, says Elizabeth M. Norman, who chronicled the nurses in the book, We Band of Angels, the untold story of American nurses trapped on Bataan. Okay, before we go on, um... I don't know what the heck just happened, Brian. I really don't. Not only the. Can you please tell them real quick about our commercials? Because um, we're going to another break. Oh, okay, yeah. Here's some paid commercials on our radio show. We, do, we don't get paid for them. Unless someone calls the number in the ad. So if you hear something you're interested, please jot down the number in the ad. And call that number, because then we'll get paid. If you get to it on your own, we won't get paid. The ad company won't get paid. Nobody's happy here. And with that... Okay, go ahead. Go to break. 
Welcome to the Red State Cafe. My name's Darla. You ready to order, sweetie? Your omelets are made with organic eggs, right? They come from a chicken's ass. That organic enough for you, sugar? Uh, what's your pork? Is it steroid-free? It is by the time Chef Earl is done with it, honey. Well, how about your chicken fried steak? That's made with free-range chicken, right? Free-range? We can't afford to give it away, darling. Look, I don't see it on the menu, but can you just make me a progressive omelet? <laughs> Opening a Registered Nurse's Eyes, A Life-Altering Journey Across North America by Susan Francis Bonner is available in ebook form for Kindle owners at Amazon.com for $7.99. It is also available at CircleBPublications.com in EPUB format, which should cover most of you, for $7.99. This true story chronicles the changes Susan witnessed in nursing, the medical field, and in our nation during the years 1998 to 2002. It is written to expose what goes on behind the scenes concerning health care in this country, the common problems our nation faces, and what it is like to live across North America as a travel nurse. It is not politically correct or for the faint of heart. She hopes to inspire her fellow Americans to stand up for what is right and persevere no matter what the difficulties they encounter on the great journey that is called life. Again, the novel is Opening a Registered Nurse's Eyes, a life-altering journey across North America by Susan Francis Bonner, available in ebook format at Amazon.com and CircleBPublications.com. If you are struggling to pay or haven't been making your student loan payments, listen carefully to this urgent alert. Have you been out of school for 10 or more years and you're still making your student loan payments? Are your student loans past due or even in default? Can't go back to school because of an old student loan problem? We can help you if you qualify. Your student loans can be taken out of default. We can stop the wage garnishments, stop the collection calls, and stop the seizure of your tax refund. Give yourself a break. Stop the stress and see if we can help you reduce your student loan payments. One quick 10-minute call could solve them right now. So call the Student Loan Helpline now. 800-215-6813 800-215-6813 This is a fee-based document preparation service to help you access free government programs. Call for complete details. Not available in all states. What is term life insurance? It's basically a financial protection plan for your family if you pass away. It can be a hard purchase. Think about it. It's one of the few major purchases you can make that you will personally never use. But you've got to have it to protect your family. And you owe it to yourself to shop and compare to get the best possible rates. For term life insurance policies of $500,000 or more, call the term lifeline today at 800-430-1891. 800-430-1891. See if you qualify for up to $1 million in coverage for as little as $3 a day. We'll gladly compare multiple carriers to get you the best possible rates. So call now. 800-430-1891. Sample rate cited requires qualifying medically in the preferred non-tobacco rate class. At 28, I had struggled with opiate and meth addiction for 12 years. I did and said things that the sober me never would have done. One day I realized I was not invincible. I was not 
exempt. And that's when a friend told me about elite rehab placement. They gave me the tools I needed to get sober, and all it took was the one phone call. Elite Rehab can help you start to break your addiction problem and get sober in as little as seven days. And we'll work with your insurance provider to help cover the costs. Plus, we have travel assistance programs to get you here by plane or train. Make this free call right now to learn more. 800-917-2194-800-917-2194-800-917-2194. That's 800-917-2194. Okay, and welcome back to the Uncooperative Radio Show. Now we're half of two. You're such a trooper. You're such a trooper. You, you don't feel good, but you're still sitting here doing the show. Just so you know, there was three hosts of conservative talk radio this week that were all sick. Oh, great. That's <laughs> good to know. I know. And I'm like, because of evil, Brian. I'm serious. We're all under attack because of evil. I'm chronically ill. Well, no, I know that. but And one of the other hosts is chronically ill, too. But... I'm telling you, we're all under attack right now. Because I know so many people that are not doing well as far as, well, financial anyway. But I did an article on the women of war, okay, um, for direct, uh, directions in nursing. And I, I chronicled back every aspect. I, first, I did an overview of the wars and how women were involved in them, starting with Florence uh, Nightingale, right? Because now we're talking about POWs. Mm. And I did the Korean War nurses. I did Vietnam War nurses. I did Revolutionary War nurses and how they were created. Because General Washington created the first nurses in the Revolutionary War for America. But they did have, Britain did have, France did have nurses, but they were all men. We were the first ones to do women as nurses um, as far as in wars. And then I also chronicled um, the Civil War nursing. But in all of my research, I never came across this. World Net Daily found it. I didn't, which I thought was incredible because, I, like I said, I did all these. <laughs> I did all of this. But again, isn't this in the what what uh, theater are we in for World War Two? Pacific theater. Right, and that's what I didn't do. I didn't do a search for Pacific Theater. Most people forget about the Pacific Theater. Don't you know that? I doubt it. There's a very famous movie called Midway about it. Well, no, I understand that, but most people, they really are focused on the Europe. They know more about the European Theater. Well, not really. There's a lot of old movies on the Pacific, John Wayne movies and stuff. Well, I, I had no idea how brutal the Pacific theater was compared to all the rest. Yeah, that's why there were so many movies then about it, including Bataan. I never saw this movie. No, you might never see it. I don't... It's not like I've seen it come back on, on the list ever. Right. But this is a very famous thing. And 
I had no idea that women were taken as POWs. And I'm shocked that the, what you're reading so far is that they all came back alive and not raped to death. Because that's they didn't the, say they didn't say anything about them being raped. They didn't make an. I noticed they didn't mention that. It doesn't mean it didn't happen, right? Because we do know what the, the refugees do to women when they capture them. Uh, yeah, the Muslims. Although the Japanese were horrible too. Yes, they were. Well, their only spirituality is Zen. <laughs> I don't suggest you study Zen. It's a very narcissistic spirituality it's not spiritual at all it's just it's just a way of, of making uh samurais comfortable with killing people they were brutal which is which is why so many people have ptsd is because uh we not- no longer teach the morality of war and so th- this is something i understood in back in the 1700s in in the colonies the they knew they understand that you had to prepare them so that they wouldn't come back screwed up they had to if they understood the morality of it then they didn't have ptsd there's no d they didn't call it that but i forget what they called it shell shocked at one point i actually that did was, an article on that's that that's world war 2 time world war 2 we're talking uh, before there were shells to be shocked from it would be cannon shocked no, and actually, I did a our whole they article just, they on They just this. knew they were whack. They, they just didn't come back right. But they, but the, that didn't happen because they ensured that they did understand. The preachers at the time taught the morality of war. The preachers were were in the war, and the preachers served also with their past with their uh, flock. Flock, yeah. So it was. It's. It was. That's how. That's you know. That's the kind of preacher you want. And if we had those kind of preachers, if our chaplains were of that caliber, <laughs> then we wouldn't have people with PTSD because they wouldn't feel guilty about what they did. They wouldn't feel good about what they did. Stop saying D. It's not a disorder. It is. It's officially been put in the book. It's a disorder. Yeah, but we don't say that on the show. You have no choice. It's a uh, side. Disorder and every vet is going to end up talking to psychiatrists. We're not. I'm talking about the veterans of war. Mm. They are all they're all put through psychiatric evaluation. I know it's horrible. And if they have PTSD, then they lose all their rights and firearms and and that that was done under Bill Clinton executive order. That every, man, you would be combing through every executive order. I'd have a special team. He did have. A, he does have a team going through it. It's going to take a long time. <laughs> it is. He doesn't understand the depth and length of this abuse. Anyway, back to the nurses at Baton. According to Norman, under the informal leadership of World War One, veteran nurse Captain Maud Davis, the women always kept to strict schedules, walking every day and dressing in uniforms they fashioned themselves. Discipline combined with a singular dedication to care for their patients, some of whom had been among the 75,000 American and Filipino soldiers captured on April the 9th, 1942, 
and forced on a 68-mile death march in 100-degree temperatures without food or water. Okay, now, stop. Most people do not understand that we were fighting with the Filipinos. We were fighting with China, right? I had no idea in World War II that China... You know, the, the way you're saying it, okay, you you're saying we're, it. we're fighting against them. No, they were our allies. Right, and the Filipinos were our allies. Correct. They wanted to take Japanese off their islands. Most, most people do not know this history. It's important. Okay. The other thing is, notice these women. When I read this, Brian, and then I went back to my article, and I just feel like crying right now. And I thought about the march that those pink idiot hat women went on. It's disgraceful. It is disgusting to me that this is what my gender has turned into from this. From these wonderful, brave women. To these stupid women wearing stupid hats. Women aren't even women anymore. They're They're pigs. Bigger pigs than men are. That's why I wanted to do this story. That's why I did every nurse, uh, all the nurses from every single war. To show what we used to be like. Little girls are learning the pink pig hats and not this. Is that a pig hat? Yeah, because women are pigs. But it's in a pig hat. I know, but they're pigs. It's and a it's pink. Hat. And it's pink. And they're pigs. Use your medical terms. And not learning this history. Not learning what I wrote about and write about. They're learning what those idiots were marching on. I'm sorry, this really like shapes me so bad. <laughs> because I also do the women of the revolution. And you can find that at where? Don't ask me. You're doing the commercial. No. you have you have, We have a one place to get all of our shows. Where is it? Go ahead and say it yourself. No, you say it. No. The nurses cared for the men known as the battling bastards of Bataan, despite suffering from starvation and other diseases themselves. Fisher tells Fox News her grandmother and the other nurses never thought of themselves as heroic because they saw their patients as the real heroes. Many of the nurses kept diaries which document the emotional trauma they endured as they witnessed the torture by their Japanese captor. In one entry, Bernice's grandmother writes about a soldier who was bound and tied up outside in the heat for three days before being shot in the back. Whether he died instantly or wounded and bleeding, lived on until he finally died, we will never know. But this cruel, heartless, and brutal treatment filled us all with deep grief and sorrow, she wrote. A gritty refusal to give in and a commitment to care was life-sustaining for nurses, says Lieutenant Colonel Nancy Cantrell, an historian with the Army Nurse Corps. They were a tough bunch, Cantrell added. They had a mission. They were surviving for the boys and each other. That does give you a bit of added strength, Cantrell told Soldiers Magazine. Despite the experience, some of the women carried on after the war without any bitterness. I have never been bitter, and I have always known that if I could survive that, I could survive anything. Mildred Dalton Manning 
who died March 2013 at the age of 98, told the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Norman believes those angels she interviewed for the book recognized that there was little time to get out to get their stories out. The women told me that not a day went by that they did not think about it, but didn't speak about it, Norman tells Fox News. Some of the women remained in the military, but even the military never asked these women. It was like they did not exist. By the time I spoke with them, they were in their 80s and realized that if they did not tell their story, no one would. They were not seeking recognition, but they wanted their experiences preserved, adds Norman, who is a professor at New York University. Another reason they spoke was to clear up myths such as suggestions they had been raped. They also wanted to clear up facts that they had been romanticized in such movies as So Proudly We Hail, 1942, and They Were Expendable, 1945. These women never sought recognition. They never took to a spotlight. It was the men they served with who actually sought to gain recognition of these women after the war, says Fisher. That which does not destroy us only makes us stronger. Right? Congratulations, women. Good for you. From Military.com, Raymond Regalado was starving and sick and with malaria when he slipped away from his Japanese captors during the infamous 1942 Bataan Death March in the Philippines. Escaping a brutal trudge through steamy jungle that killed hundreds of Americans and thousands of Filipinos who fought for the U.S. during World War II. On Saturday, the former wartime machine gun operator will join a dwindling band of veterans of the war in San Francisco's Presidio to honor the soldiers who died on the march and those who made it to a prisoner of war camp only to die there. They'll also commemorate the mostly Filipino soldiers who held off Japanese forces in the Philippines for three months without supplies of food or ammunition before a U.S. Army major surrendered 75,000 troops to Japan on April the 9th, 1942. Few Americans are aware of the Filipinos who were starving as they relentlessly fended off the more powerful and well-supplied Japanese forces, said Cecilia Gerlin, Executive Director of the Berkeley, California-based Bataan Legacy Historical Society, organizing the event at the former military fort. Despite fighting without any air support and without any reinforcement, they disrupted the timetable of the Imperial Japanese Army, she said. That was their major role, to perform a delaying action, and they did that beyond expectations. More than 250,000 Philippine soldiers served in World War II when the Philippines were a U.S. territory. But after the war ended, President Harry Truman signed laws that stripped away promises of benefits and citizenship for Filipino veterans. Okay, why would he do something like I that? I don't know why Truman did anything. He was a prog and a racist. Progs are racist. It's weird. Now you got black progs. They're still racist, but they're 
black. Well, people don't understand that Prague's a racist, do they? No, they don't. <laughs> they just really don't. Just look at Tommy the Condor, Tommy Woodrow Wilson. That's all you have to do is look up his history. Please go look it up in a real place, not something like a modern history book where he's somehow him and FDR are heroes. Are you getting this argument on Twitter? <laughs> is no, that how you know? I've heard it. I've been involved at once upon a time. Only recently have they won back some concessions and acknowledgement, including the nation's highest civilian honor, the Congressional Gold Medal. The veterans also received lump sum payments as part of the 2009 stimulus law. An estimated 18,000 Filipino veterans of World War II are still alive and living in the United States. Tens of thousands of Filipino and U.S. troops were forced on the 65-mile march, and Garland said as many as 650 Americans and 10,000 Filipinos died in stifling heat and at the hands of Japanese soldiers who shot, bayoneted, or beat soldiers who fell or stopped for water. More than 80% of those forced on the march were Filipino. After they arrived at a prison camp set up at Camp O'Donnell, she said, an additional 1,600 Americans and 20,000 Filipinos died from dysentery, starvation, and disease. Did you know all this? I'm not a mem- I don't memorize numbers. No, I'm just saying, did you know what, how we were involved that much in the Philippines? Yes. How could you study World War II without studying about the Philippines? Where was I? Oh, yeah. 20,000 Philippines died from dysentery, starvation, and disease. Only 1,600 Americans died. Gerland grew up knowing that her father, Luis Gerland Jr., had spoke in a wartime march on which a lot of people had died. But he rarely spoke about it, or he would reenact it with rat-a-tat-tat sound effects for the guns that made her laugh. Oh. I forgot what I was going to say. Oh, yeah. Oh. War sucks. Yeah, uh, but that's when we write, when we actually write. Well, what's, what's really amazing is you get people who make these letters of whatever from people that were in the Philippines, in the Pacific Theater. Supposedly, these were letters home by Japanese soldiers. And someone wrote a book about it, and then someone wrote, and wrote, made a movie. Everybody believes this. Absolute fact. These are just, they're just like us. Oh, my God, you have to read the letters. They're just like us. Well, this is not just like us, is it? Are they like us? Do we do this to our prisoners? No, we don't. They weren't nice people. They weren't just like us. They were godless bastards, is what they were. Well, the other thing, Brian, is what we always bring up constantly, always constantly, that we, we were a Christian nation. So we thought of things totally different than other nations. Now, even that goes to the Revolutionary War. The British were brutal. Half of the of Americans that died died on their ships. Well, there's they were Christians too. Yeah, but not like us. Doesn't matter. They're still Christian. 
Anyway. She started researching the march in 2011 and tried to elicit more details from her father. He broke down and said, I got to go. It's your cooperative radio show. You stay tuned. Cause we'll be right back. My name is Courtney Luster. I'm 21, well-educated, and unemployed American. I happen to be black, so I'm in the highest unemployment segment of the population, black youth unemployment. Notice I don't refer to myself as African-American because I'm an American first. I'm a proud American who happens to have black skin. So please explain to me where African-American fits into that equation. You're right, it doesn't. For over 60 years, the Democrat Party has used my fellow black Americans to maintain power in the federal and state governments. Why do I say that? Because I read history. While many of my friends are watching mindless videos, I choose to listen to Red State Talk Radio. Why? Because I want to educate myself not entertain myself. Red State Talk Radio, America's premier conservative talk radio network. Hey, all you black American youth, be a Frederick Douglass Republican, not an Al Sharpton race pimp. Educate yourself. Listen to redstatetalkradio.com. And now, a message to freshman Tea Party back senators from Trent Lott and Lindsey Graham. Hello, this is Trent Lott. Uh, Lindsay and I just want you to know that we appreciate all that the Tea Party people did to bring you here to Washington. Yes, I love tea, and I dearly love parties. But now's the time we should all come together and sit down with the other side and listen to their ideas on how to move the country forward, while we as Republicans take a step back and walk a mile in their shoes. Yeah, we love being Republicans, and we love conservative values. Probably as much as we'd love being liberal Democrats if the need ever arose. What Trent means is Republicans are always at our best when we ignore all the rhetoric and noise from back home and just do the right thing. The right thing? You know what I mean. Join Trent Lott and Lindsey Graham in bringing bipartisanship back to Washington. Talk show host Larry Elder reading a letter from one of his listeners. Dear Larry, I spent 10 years as a cruise hostess working at sea on cruise ships all over the world, so many of my assignments were to the Mexican Riviera. Going back to a destination over and over, we had working friendships with many of the local people working alongside of us in the Mexican tourist industry. Larry, the one phrase I heard a hundred times or more was, when the revolution is over. When I asked for an explanation, it was always the same answer, when they have California back. Young or old, it seems they grew up being taught there would be a revolution someday. Somehow they would have California back. Operation Homefront operates programs with the goal of making a difference in military family quality of life. They serve younger families of deployed service members, typically in the ranks of E-1 through E-6 in all branches of the armed forces. Operation Homefront provides a wide range of programs and is dedicated to helping the families our troops leave behind. For more information, please visit their website at operationhomefront.net. I am officially running for President of the United States. Could he actually win? No freaking way! Which Republican (laughs) candidate has the best chance of winning the general election? Donald Trump. 
There's not going to be a President Donald Trump. Mr. Trump will not be president. Trump will never be elected president of the United States. You're not going to be president. A man right? who will never be president of the United States. Donald Trump is not going to be president of the United States. Take it to the bank. He will never be president. Donald Trump is not going to become president of the United States. She's at plus 19. Do you think the tapes made a difference? Of course! They made all the difference! This race is over. Hillary Clinton has raised more than double Donald Trump, vastly outspending him. The presidency at about 89% for Hillary Clinton. Uh, your analytical model has uh, never been wrong. Now projects Hillary Clinton to win presidential election. 100% chance. You still think she has a 100% chance of winning the election? Mm. I do. And what would Donald Trump have to do to turn things around? Prayer and hope for a festivist miracle. <laughs> this is CNN's coverage of election night in America. The fight for the presidency. Because we don't care. Oh, okay, have Kentucky. Who cares? Kentucky. Don't no, care about in Indiana. Don't care. Indiana with it's West Virginia, Oklahoma, Tennessee, Mississippi, South Carolina, Alabama, Kansas, Nebraska, and Wyoming with its vote North Dakota and South Dakota, Texas, uh, up and down the middle of the country, all red. Arkansas, Louisiana, the state of Montana, Missouri. Yes, it was at eighty percent an hour ago for Clinton. What is it now? Sixty-eight percent. Okay, uh, God damn it, I'm nervous. Ohio. Welcome back to the Uncooperative Radio Show, Hour 3. Back to uh, Garland and the Batan nurses. She started researching the the march in 2011 and tried to elicit more details from her father. He broke down crying, telling her that some men were so desperate that they killed themselves. Oh my goodness, Brian! Others wrote goodbye letters to their relatives during the march. And he said he was starting to write his farewell letter because a lot of men did that. And I asked him, Well, were you going to take your own life? She said, and I didn't answer. Gerland's father died in 2014 at the age of 94. God bless, Brian. She successfully lobbied California last year to mandate teaching details of the battle and march in high schools. In California? I know, it's amazing. Right? The spin they're going to put on that. <laughs> I know. They, they may teach it, but they're going to do all these horrible spinning <laughs> tops. That are gonna like be... we deserved it, right? Oh, yeah. We oh. deserved the oh, march. Yeah. We were much worse than they were. Oh, oh, oh. We deserved all the horrors that happened to us. That's what they always say, isn't it? She also collects March veterans' stories before they die, including the memories of a 99-year-old Regalado, who lives in San Francisco, suburb of El Cerrito. He's still alive at 99. When the war broke out, Regalado was a member of the Philippine Scouts, a military branch of the U.S. Army for Filipino soldiers. He and two other soldiers were assigned to feed horses during the march and slipped away when guards were not watching them, Regaldo said. A farmer took in three, even though the penalty for doing so was death. 
All were sick with malaria. Only regalados survived. Okay, now stop right here. We're talking about the Filipinos. Okay, because I, I really don't believe anybody should be admitted to the United States. We're done. But the pieces of brown crap we're bringing in here compared to these brave men? No, the Philippines are not the Philippines of the day. I understand that. So, again, we must be extremely discerning. I, I want all immigration Look, to stop. The, this is what the Filipinos were like before Muslims. Again, we're allowing all these pieces of brown crap in here. The the, the How far we've fallen. The founding fathers would never have done this. They didn't want... We, we walk. No, they turned back ships... England tried to send all their riffraff, they're diseased and they're dying and the uh, criminal, tried to send them all to the shores of America before they thought about, I guess, making a, uh, a trip to Australia. We turned the ships around, said no. So that stupid poem on the bottom of the Statue of Liberty is not what the Statue of Liberty stands for. It is not what the French created it for. It is not what we put it up for, but it turns out it's how the Prague's took ownership of it. By putting a poem by a Prague on the bottom. Give me your hud, your dirty, your hudly masses, your horrible, your wretched. Uh, Are you kidding me? Our founding fathers wanted people that came over here that would benefit America. If you were to benefit, they'd want you. We used to have common sense immigration. We took people that were educated that had resources that were not going to end up and could not by law end up on any government assistance. And there was a sponsor responsible for that said person. And if that person needed help, then it's that sponsor's per job to do it, not the government. That's how immigration worked. Uh, now they take in every piece of crap on the planet, poorer the better. Oh, good. You can't even speak your own language. No problem. Come over here. Anyway. Look, on top of all this... I should have said read your own language, sorry. <laughs> read and write your own language. Yeah, they, they're illiterate. On top of that, <sighs> we would quarantine these people. And by the way, all you Black Lives Matter pieces of crap, including the white ones that are guilty, the Irish were considered the most piece of crap in our United States for a very long time. Uh, uh, Irish Catholic. Well, it was the Protestant for a while until they made their way, and then we came over and they, they changed their they changed their designation to Scotch Irish. That's where the Scotch Irish come from. They were Protestant Irish that didn't want anything to do with the Catholic rabble that they brought over here. They worked too hard for their positions to be brought down by these Catholic Irishmen. So. They changed their their designation of where they're from, their ethnicity, to Scotch-Irish. And everyone thinks that it's a meld of Scotsmen and Irishmen. No. Wouldn't matter. You couldn't tell anyway. They're both Celtic. Uh, no, it, it just meant we didn't want to be associated with them as Irishmen. But they paid their dues. They didn't want to have to do it all over again. And... You know, eventually the Catholic Irish, they, they made it their way as well. Yep. well that's how immigrants did. Yep. It was always horrible when they first got the, you know, the ghettos in New York City for the Irish were like. Yep. They were the first ghetto inhabitants. Yes, they were. 
They worked their way out of it. That's what made America great. Now we make them comfortable in their poverty so they don't try and do anything. Ben Franklin warned about that. He went on to join a guerrilla resistance, Regalado. Now goes on to join a guerrilla resistance movement against the Japanese and moved in 1950 to the San Francisco Bay Area to work for the U.S. military. Regalado credits his survival and long life to his high morale. While being cared for by the farmer, he recalls telling himself, I'm not going to die. You, But you are, sooner or later. He didn't mean then. I'm not going to die then. Right. At that time. And he's the only one that survived. See? Positive thinking. The power of positive thinking. (sighs) Again, from military.com. The U.S. Army announced Friday that approximately 1,500 soldiers from Alaska will deploy to Afghanistan later this year. The deployment of the 4th Brigade Combat Team Airborne 25th Infantry Division is part of a regular rotation of forces in support of Operation Freedom Sentinel. Now, I have a question about all this. Oh, no, no, not about all this. Well, because... How can Trump get a handle, my president, and all this stuff that was already set into motion, just like all these moles that are in the government and all this secret government stuff? How can you overcome something like that? Like Like the continuing resolutions. How do you stop that stuff? I can't stop it. Right. I'm saying, well, he's the commander in chief. He's already put, look, Caesar already put all this crap in place. And so what do you want Trump to do? How do you overcome with Caesar or all the landmines Caesar already put, especially in the military? Undo them. Like the transgender crap. That's where you, you know, that's where you take out your knife and map out the minefield. I don't know what that means. That you shouldn't have used a military reference. Well, he's in charge of the military. Who's in charge of the military? Our president. So what about it? How does he stop, undo what Obama's done? You have to be a lot more specific because there's different things that have to be done for different things. Transgender. In the military? Well, Congress is in charge of making up the UCMJ. He didn't didn't get to do anything. He shouldn't have been able to change anything. He does not make law even even for the military. Congress is in charge of making law called the Uniform Code of Military Justice, and all amendments to such, not the president. So would you want our troops going over to Afghanistan, more troops? I don't have an opinion. I don't, I absolutely know I don't know all the facts. That's the problem. I I can't have an opinion. I don't know. There's stuff that, you know, I'm not privy to. Anyway, let's figure let's figure out what the article says before we ask a bunch of questions. Operation Freedom's Sentinel. As the only US Army Airborne Brigade in the Pacific, our Spartan Brigade paratroopers are exceptionally capable 
well-trained and well-led organization, Major General Brian Owens, the commanding general of the U.S. Army Alaska, said in an Army press release. Go away, battery. Gee, many crickets. These soldiers train rigorously in a wide range of climates and environments. I am fully confident in their ability to excel and overcome any challenges they will face during this deployment. The Army also announced its intent to retain the four to 25 stationed at Joint Base Elmendorf-Richardson, Alaska as a full brigade combat team and not convert it to an airborne task force. In 2015, the service ordered the 425 to downsize to an airborne task force of 1,046 paratroopers as part of a structure initiative to develop a smaller, more agile force. The plan retained the 425's current size is based on emerging mission requirements and the fiscal 2017 National Defense Authorization Act directed the Army to ensure its active force of 476,000 soldiers, according to the release. U.S. troops in Afghanistan are split between two missions, NATO's Resolute Support Mission to advise Afghan security forces and the separate Freedom Sentinel, the U.S. counterterrorism operation against the remnants of Al-Qaeda, an emerging offshoot of the Islamic State of Iraq and Syria, or ISIS, and other terror groups. Don't you just love we're not saying ISIL anymore? <laughs> I was so sick of that. Really? I, what'd you say? That we're not, no one's saying ISIL anymore. No one's saying what? ISIL. What? ISIL. You're saying it. We're saying ISIS. You just said it numerous times. I bet you didn't even notice. Oh. I bet you didn't even notice. What? That we're not saying that term anymore. Which term? I'm not saying it again. <laughs> nice try. Do you have something to play? No. Okay. The new police state from Fox News. Attorney Jeff Sessions warned that an agreement negotiated under the Obama's administration to overhaul the troubled Baltimore police force may result in, quote, a less safe city. His warning comes after a federal judge approved the agreement despite the harsh objections from the Justice Department. President Trump's attorney general said in a statement Friday that the Baltimore agreement shows clear departures from many proven principles of good policing that we fear will result in more crime. The the decree was negotiated during a rushed process by the previous administration and signed only days before they left office, Sessions said. While the Department of Justice continues to fully support police reform in Baltimore, I have grave concerns that some provisions of this decree will reduce the lawful powers of the police department and result in a less safe city. Look, you know, look what these pieces of crap did. As Trump was coming in, they were leaving. They were sitting next to him, shaking his hand, telling him everything's going to be wonderful. We're going to be with you 100%. And meanwhile, they're pulling all this crap up days before he left office. Days. Yep. 
Well, all the while, everyone's saying how wonderful the transition is going to be. I think by the time that the transition was supposed to happen, everyone realized it wasn't. He made that wonderful speech. It was wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. And then he went and bought a mansion in D.C. Well, I had to stay in D.C. Uh, then set, everybody moves in from Valley Jarrett to other operatives. And it's the command central against Trump. It's it's the command central for the quote-unquote resistance movement to Trump's agenda. Which means our agenda, because most of us wanted it. No, don't buy the phony numbers. She did not win the majority. There is no way. They've already verified at least 2.5 million illegal aliens voted for Hitlery in the election. That's only 500, that's only 0.5 off from what Trump said it was. Three. Now, but she won by three, so she's still a little ahead. Oh, you forgot all the dead people. All those people have voted twice, three times, four times, bust around. All those got to count, too. No, she didn't. It, the, winning, the even though it doesn't matter, she didn't win the election because it's not a majority race. It's an electoral race, and she lost. And they thought they were going to win because they thought by stealing that many votes that there's no way anybody could beat her. And over the fact that all the votes that she stole and the Democrats stole for her still lost. That's what it totally blew their minds and sent them into fits of rage. Fits of rage? They're insane and delusional. By definition, fits of rage is not insane. It's temporary insanity, but uh, anyway. No, they're very insane. <laughs> U.S. District Judge James Breder signed the so-called consent decree Friday a day after a hearing to solicit comments from Baltimore residents, calling the plan comprehensive, detailed, and precise. He denied a request to delay the signing to give the Trump administration more time to review the agreement. At Thursday's hearing, a Justice Department attorney expressed grave concerns about the plan aimed at rooting out racist practices. The consent decree was negotiated during the closing days of the Obama administration after a federal investigation found rampant abuse by Baltimore police. No, it did not at all find that at all. Including unlawful stops and use of excessive force against black people. I'm sorry, I don't know what federal investigation they're talking about. I've never seen anything by any or any credible law enforcement making these claims. I said credible. No, the FBI is not credible. So, I hate the FBI. I Co hate it. Comey's still there, enough said. The investigation was prompted by the 2015 death of Freddie Gray, a 25-year-old black man whose neck was broken during a lurching ride in the back of a police van where he had been left unbuckled, his hands and legs shackled. Gray's death touched off the worst rioting in Baltimore in decades. The guy was a complete maniac. He was fighting them going in. He was fighting them when he was in. They were afraid to put the states on him because they were afraid that was going to hurt him. And instead, uh, the other thing happened. But he did this, He did it all to himself. But let's not let that, you know. Facts. Yeah. Stupid thing. And the other guy, hands up, don't shoot. Never happened. Gray's death touched off the worst riding in Baltimore in decades. In a memo made public earlier this week, the Trump Justice Department signaled that it may retreat 
from the consent decrees that have been put in place in recent years in such cities as Cleveland, Ferguson, Missouri, Miami, and Newark, New Jersey. Justice Department can appeal the judge's decision, but it would have to show the judge made an error or abused his discretion. That would be difficult to prove, said Jonathan Smith, a civil rights attorney in the Obama's Justice Department, who oversaw negotiations with troubled police departments. Justice Department lawyers also could try to modify the consent decree, but the burden is high, requiring them to show there has been a substantial change in the facts or the law, Smith said. City officials, including Police Commissioner Kevin Davis, have voiced their support for the agreement. Mayor Catherine Pugh, Pug, I don't know how to say that, P-U-G-H, is it Pugh or Pug? Uh, well, again, uh, disputed the notion the decree will hurt the fight against crime. I believe that it makes Baltimore safer, she said. I think by building and training our police officers in ways to de-escalate violence, to work with our communities, to have cultural diversity training, and have the right kind of tools they need to know what they can do in certain areas of our community, I think it's improved policing. No, it's not improved policing. This, you could make... Uh, an argument for detectives to have this kind of training. But the average street cop isn't supposed to be dealing with all of this. Their job is just straight up enforcing the law. That's it. No talky-talky, no community service. They're not social workers. You want touchy-feely detectives so that people talk to you more. That makes sense. Give it to them. But leave the cops alone. The regular police on the street, just leave them alone. Let them do their job. Well, you do want them to kind of be part of the community, though. You want to know who they're dealing with, no. especially if they're beat cops. No, I don't. There are no beat cops. It's too dangerous to have beat cops. There's beat cops in New York still. They in this not in the worst. Again. Not in the worst. No, not in the ghettos. There aren't. Oh no, you are wrong. I don't know. Not even under Giuliani did that happen. It. it Literally, you're putting a target on your back. And they did community housing, but uh, they did make cops go back to the beat. It didn't work out in the inner cities. It's just too big a target. And you can't... Look, I was accepted in the community as a paramedic in New York City ghettos. I know all there is to know about the people in the ghetto. And I know also that they don't care crap about anything... For the most part, except when their next welfare check's coming in, which is now automatically done to an EBD card so they don't actually have to even open up the mail. The homicide rate in Baltimore immediately spiked after the riots over Gray's death, leading some residents to accuse officers of taking a hands-off approach for fear of increased scrutiny. No duh. This is what you risk when you play politics with serious things like war and policing, especially in ghettos. The soaring crime rate is not relented. In the first three months of 2017, the city recorded 79 homicides, compared with 56 for the same period the year before. Oh, yeah, it's working in the right direction now. Oh, there's a whole bunch of progs that think so. Oh, you thought Obamanus was going to help you because he's black. He's not black. He's a prog. He doesn't have skin color. He's a commie. That's what he is. That's all he cares about. And a racist. 
to be honest with you, most black people in the ghettos are racist. That's been my personal experience. <sighs> Baltimore's agreement calls for additional training for officers and discourages them from arresting people for minor offenses, which we learned in New York City is the opposite approach to take. When Giuliani did his quality of quality of life crime bill, it was about this. Every law is down to the most insignificant is enforced. Everything. What happened in those communities? Crime cleaned up. Streets cleaned up. People were better. Things were better. Now they want to go back to do what they did before. Not arresting people for minor offense. Like, this has never been done in the ghetto before. Really. I'm telling you, I, I work with the police. Yeah, it was already back in the 80s they were doing this in New York City, for God's sake. And it doesn't work. It has never worked. Period. End of. It just doesn't work. You have to enforce every little thing, including jaywalking. That changes the atmosphere into a rule of law atmosphere, and that being that brings crime down because some potential criminals aren't brave enough to go up against stuff like that. So, so they back off. Again, you, you give them options. You can go ahead and keep acting like laws don't matter, but I'm going to end up arresting you and throwing you in jail. It's really not worth it now, is it? <clears throat> Discourages minor offenses such as traffic infractions and loitering. It also says officers can no longer detain someone simply for being in a high crime area. When did that happen? Following Gray's death, the department began undertaking some reforms, including outfitting officers with body cameras and updating the use of force policy. Gene Ryan, president of the Baltimore Police Union, has complained that the agreement was rushed and that the union wasn't involved enough in the negotiations. Yeah, how did they, how did the, how did your union do for you there, police officers? Unions aren't worth crap either as yours. The National Fraternal Order of Police said it was disappointed by the judge's decision to move forward. But Baltimore officers will endeavor to give the citizens of Baltimore the best public safety service possible, given the constraints imposed upon the department by the decree, said Jim Pasco, the senior advisor of the group's president. Do you know how many police officers were killed in the last year just by pieces of crap assassinating them? Have you noticed? Do you notice people are leaving the police departments? Who the heck wants to work here? Who wants to be in Baltimore right now? I'd have my I'd have handed in my resignation. Right, I'm out. See ya. Have you noticed we had, there's no reports of police being killed since Trump's been in? I haven't heard anything. Well, I haven't heard anything in a while. You haven't heard anything means you weren't paying attention. Well, no, because there it was. was happening like every day. Yeah, that's probably an unsustainable low. Um, I don't, I don't think it's stopped at all. I don't think people have stopped wanting to kill cops and think that they're empowered to do it. Come on, how many, how many people traffic chases end up with the cop being dragged out of the police vehicle and beaten up until some private citizen shows up with a gun and stops it 
kills them dead. Kills the beater-upper dead. It's just enough. Um, <laughs> I don't want police that are afraid to pull their firearm. I don't want police that are afraid to fire back. That's useless. That's what we've created. Useless police. Bad enough we have to have police. They should at least have a use. No, I'm just standing on a corner, swinging my nightstick as a symbol. Oh, cool. So um, I say we make dummies up of cops and stick them on street corners if just their presence is supposed to stop things from happening. Which it doesn't. But I say, wouldn't it be cheaper to put dummies there? Or maybe you could splurge for robots. Everybody else is. <laughs> this is our last one, dear. All right, we've got to go to a break. Send Cooperative Radio Show. You stay tuned because we'll be right back. socialists. You will be assimilated. Your individual liberties, personal freedoms, and mental individuality will be added to our own. Resistance is futile. At 28, I had struggled with opiate and meth addiction for 12 years. I did and said things that the sober me never would have done. One day I realized I was not invincible. Was not exempt. And that's when a friend told me about elite rehab placement. They gave me the tools I needed to get sober, and all it took was the one phone call. Elite Rehab can help you start to break your addiction problem and get sober in as little as seven days. And we'll work with your insurance provider to help cover the costs. Plus, we have travel assistance programs to get you here by plane or train. Make this free call right now to learn more. 800-917-2194-800-917-2194-800-917-2194. That's 800-917-2194. Attention users of the blood-thinning drug Xarelto. If you took the drug Xarelto and experienced complications such as cerebral hemorrhage, gastrointestinal bleeding, or other internal bleeding, or if a loved one has died after taking Xarelto, you may be eligible to get a cash award for your suffering. Call the Xarelto Help Hotline now at 855-719-3101, 855-719-3101. To qualify for a cash settlement, you must file a claim before the deadline. So don't miss your opportunity for a cash settlement. Call 855-719-3101 now for a free no-obligation consultation. Our call center is open 24-7. So if you took the drug Xarelto and experienced cerebral hemorrhage, gastrointestinal bleeding, or other internal bleeding, or if a loved one has died after taking Xarelto, call the Xarelto Help Hotline at 855-719-3101, 855-719-3101. That's 855-719-3101. What is term life insurance? It's basically a financial protection plan for your family if you pass away. 
it can be a hard purchase. Think about it. It's one of the few major purchases you can make that you will personally never use. But you've got to have it to protect your family. And you owe it to yourself to shop and compare to get the best possible rates. For term life insurance policies of $500,000 or more, call the term lifeline today at 800-430-1891. 800-430-1891. See if you qualify for up to $1 million in coverage for as little as $3 a day. We'll gladly compare multiple carriers to get you the best possible rates. So call now. 800-430-1891. 800-430-1891 800-430-1891 Sample rate cited requires qualifying medically in the preferred non-tobacco rate class. Uncooperative radio show merchandise is now available at cafepress.com forward slash uncooperative radio. At this wonderful site, you will find hats, t-shirts, coffee mugs, and bumper stickers, and much, much more. Merchandise slogans include... I am an uncooperative citizen. Become an uncooperative citizen. I am an uncooperative citizen and damn proud of it. And the Constitution is the solution. So visit cafepress.com forward slash uncooperative radio today and become an uncooperative citizen. That's cafepress.com forward slash uncooperative radio. If you're struggling to pay or haven't been making your student loan payments, listen carefully to this urgent alert. Have you been out of school for 10 or more years and you're still making your student loan payments? Are your student loans past due or even in default? Can't go back to school because of an old student loan problem? We can help you if you qualify. Your student loans can be taken out of default. We can stop the wage garnishments, stop the collection calls, and stop the seizure of your tax refund. Give yourself a break. Stop the stress and see if we can help you reduce your student loan payments. One quick 10-minute call could solve them right now. So call the Student Loan Helpline now. 800-215-6813, 800-215-6813, 800-215-6813, This is a fee-based document preparation service to help you access free government programs. Call for complete details not available in all states. Welcome back to the Uncooperative Radio Show, hour half of three. <laughs> and moving on to Space, the Final Frontier, from Fox News. Astronomers have detected an atmosphere around the super-Earth-like planet GJ1132b. A discovery which could help pave the way to finding life outside our solar system. I'm just looking for a place to send all the progs. I was just going to say the same thing. If you get to the second, the second um, article on this uh, segment, they found new places to send progs. <laughs> a team of researchers led by Dr. John Southworth of Keele University in the United Kingdom used the ESO-MPG telescope in Chile to capture images of the planet's host star. 
Why do we want to find other life forms, Brian? What makes you think they're going to be happy and friendly? Well, that's good. You interrupted my sentence. The, the planet's host star, GJ132. By measuring the slight decrease in brightness as the planet passed in front of the star, they noted that GJ1132b and its atmosphere absorbed some of GJ1132's starlight. Oh, this is not the detection of life on another planet. It's an important step in the right direction. The detection of an atmosphere around the super-Earth. GJ1132b marks the first time that an atmosphere has been detected around an Earth-like planet other than Earth itself, Southworth explained in a statement. Prior to his research, the only previous examples of exoplanet atmospheres involved gas giant planets reminiscent of Jupiter and Saturn. GJ1132b is located 39 light years from Earth. A light year, which measures distance in space, equals 6 trillion miles. By way of comparison, the recently discovered Earth-like planet Proxima b, which orbits the red dwarf Proxima Centauri, is about 4 light years from Earth. The study to identify GJ1132b's atmosphere has been published in the Astronomical Journal. Discovery makes the planet one of the highest priority targets for further study by space research facilities such as the Hubble Space Telescope, the ESO's Very Large Telescope, as well as the James Webb Space Telescope, according to the research team. NASA's James Webb Space Telescope launches next year. In addition to Southworth, Experts from the Max Planck Institute for Astronomy, the University of Cambridge, the University of Rome, Tor Vergata, and Stockholm University participated in the research. Earlier this year, the international team of astronomers found 60 new planets orbiting stars close to Earth's solar system, including a rocky super-Earth. The experts also found evidence of an additional 54 planets, bringing the potential discovery of new worlds to 114. Yeah, new worlds. Uh, I know we think we want to find one, um, but we really don't want intelligent life anywhere because it's just... What makes you think they want to be friends? I never... I just don't get that. Everyone thinks, oh, they're going to be farther advanced. That means they'll be more peaceful. Yeah, yeah. That's always been my experience that advanced countries don't aren't violent. From life science, the United States Air Force may become a sort of space cop in the not-too-distant future. An off-Earth economy cannot truly take off unless moon miners and other pioneering entrepreneurs are able to operate in a safe and stable environment, said Air Force Lieutenant Colonel James Schilling of Air University. The U.S. Navy secures the freedom of action for commerce globally for the good of all humankind, and I think it's going to take a force very similar to that to produce the predictability and security that the marketplace of space will need, Schilling said Tuesday 
April the 4th during a panel discussion at the 33rd National Space Symposium in Colorado Springs, Colorado. Been there. I think that would be the role of the United States Air Force moving into the future. I don't know. It, it always tends to be the Navy because their ships in outer space. It's like it's just like being, a, you know, in a submersible a submarine. And ships of the Navy, not, not Air Force. And by the way, Air Force is not constitutional. Um, I think that would be the role of the United States Air Force moving in the future. Somebody needs to secure and protect strategic choke points, such as lunar ice deposits and gravitationally stable spots near the moon, where spacecraft can camp out without burning fuel, Schilling added. Fundamentally, I'd like that to be somebody with a value system that reflects the values that I share, he said. I believe in the value of individual property rights and the rule of law. United Launch Alliance, ULA, CEO Tori Bruno moderated the panel, which featured Schilling, Off-World CEO Jim Caravalla, Made in Space CEO Andrew Rush, and former NASA astronaut Sandy Magnus, Executive Director of the American Institute of Aeronautics and Astronautics. The panel focused on how activities in cislunar, Earth Moon, space could help spur the establishment of a sustainable off-Earth economy. The basic idea behind the EULA-led cislunar 1000 plan. We have a vision. Within just a couple of decades from this moment in time. There will be 1,000 men and women living and working in space permanently, Bruno said. As NASA and other people push deeper into deep space to explore, we want to develop the space between here and the moon. This vision is not far-fetched, panelists said. Indeed, humanity may have recently reached an inflection point in the quest for off-Earth settlement. Thanks to the combination of advancing technology, a glut of investment money, and a coalescing community of customers and end users, Caravalla said. Some of this technology is pretty high profile. Made in Space is already manufacturing products on demand for customers using its 3D printer aboard the International Space Station, for example. There's a 3D printer aboard the Space Station? Are you kidding me? Of course there is. Why would there be? That's a lot of freaking money. Not really. It isn't a lot of money. It's affordable by most people. Uh, one of these 3D printers, they're not as expensive as you think. Certainly not for NASA. Okay, but why would they have one? Well, let's say a part goes bad on the space station. Instead of waiting for a part to come from Earth, they can manufacture their own. I never even thought of that. What do you think 3D printers are for? I just can't believe I live in an age where there is such a thing as a 3D printer. Well, you do. And for example, and both SpaceX and Blue Origin have landed and reflown rockets, an approach that could lower the cost of space flight significantly. I'm just glad we're getting away from Russia. <laughs> I really did not like my astronauts. They still are. 
We're still hitching a ride. We have an opportunity to do this now, Magnus said, referring to the Cis Luna 1000 vision. It's going to take some time to build this, but the momentum's there, and it's very exciting. It'll take Trump a while to get around an ass, I imagine. He's got a lot more important things to do. He actually just reinstated them as they, they're working on, we're going to be the ones transporting our... He got rid of a whole bunch of executive orders that Obama did against NASA. I saw that, like, last month. Mm, why didn't we report on it, then? Establishing a secure environment in which such a space settlement can exist is part of the overall effort, Schilling stressed. There's an old saying, the flag follows commerce, he said. Bruno agreed with the assessment, but he added, successful and prosperous commerce comes after the flag. We see that today on Earth. Where regions are stable and secure, where people are safe, commerce flourishes. And where that is not true, it does not. Okay, then again, with the safety thing. What the hell is with that? Again, with what safety thing? <sighs> Saying that you have to be safe to have commerce. Commerce is not safe. Yeah, but they're right, you do. You have to have you have to have stable environment for commerce to flourish. You can have commerce, but it it won't be the same. It's like it, it's like a black market. There's more crime, things more expensive, it, and there's there's no innovation. So yes, for commerce to prosper, not just exist, it needs the rule of law, and it needs someone to enforce the rule of law. Otherwise, this is why we always create law and governments is because without them, there's anarchy and whoever's the strongest wins. So you have no problem with the Air Force going into space? I have a lot of problems with the Air Force, period. It's unconstitutional. They, they were never amended for the Air Force. So what, or a standing army. So what was Star Trek? Or the, the notion that you could call up the state militia and send it overseas to fight a foreign war is absolutely absurd. So what was the branch that was in Star Trek? I always forget. Navy. Their insignias were Navy. Their, the ships were Navy. They were Navy. They're just ships in outer space instead of in the water. So actually, Roddenberry was going along the constitutional vein. He's going along what made sense to him before, I think he was writing before the Air Force was ever even created. But I would note that most of their astronauts came from the Air Force. But it shouldn't be, because the Navy's constitutional and the Air Force isn't. And why does the Air Force need to be in space? There's no air in space. You know that? No air in space. Yeah. So, oh, I see what you're saying. There's no air in space. So, so you can't mean. have an air force. It'd have to be a space force. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I'm sorry. I'd just rather have the Navy. They're going to just name all the ships after, uh, spaceships after Navy ships anyway. Well, that's what they usually do, right? But we need to, the Air Force doesn't need to be in charge of diddly because it needs to go away. It's unconstitutional and we don't need it. We have the Air National Guard to defend our airspace and that's what an air, all any Air Force should do. 
is fly and cover your airspace, not all over the world, but we could do that with our Navy. we got ships. They carry, they're called aircraft carriers. They carry all these planes that go and blow things up all the time. The Air Force is at a stationary base. It's much less efficient and much less effective than having a bigger, better Air Navy. Forget the Air Force. Throw that money back into the Navy. Okay, so these airstrikes, they were from a Navy ship? Yes. Wait, let me get, okay, that's what I wanted to know. because Tomahawk missiles were fired from a Navy ship. I, I don't know what designation of ship. I don't know if it was an Aegis cruiser or what it was. Um, well, I'll get who, that up. Whichever carries an awful lot of Tomahawk missiles. I mean, 59 and they still had more. Okay, because I'm looking up at the at the article right now. I wasn't going to get into the details, but I should have because we were doing the space thing. Um, he it just says you. This is from CNS News. It just says U.S. Navy destroyers fired almost sixty Tomahawk missiles. Ah, destroyers. Okay. Yep. So I would have thought I, I thought the Aegis missile cruiser would be the one, but no. Okay. Yeah, it just it says destroyers. That's yeah. That's that's what the last ship is, right? A destroyer, yeah, yeah, in that show. Yeah, now you can see how powerful these new destroyers are. They didn't used to have this capability. Destroyers just dealt with submarines. That was their that was their task duty. Well, you know what? And they did show that in the show, Brian. They showed it, them the destroyer launching all those missiles onto land. Remember I, that I one know, scene? Susan, it's just what I said before so says, you when you wasn't listening to me. So it says the Department of Defense said 59 Tomahawk missiles targeted aircraft, hardened aircraft shelters, petroleum and logistic storage, ammunition supply bunker, air defense systems, and radars. That was all from the ocean. <laughs> we, we did all that from the ocean. Yeah. <laughs> this is why you're saying that we. Well, this if you, is all we if need. you probably scroll down and read, they'll probably tell you the range of the what the missiles. I imagine, or you can just look up Tomahawk missiles. That's ancient technology. I was using Tomahawk missiles on uh, the computer game Red Storm Rising on on the Amiga back in the eighties. You love so those, you love those. Games. That's how My old Tomahawk missiles were. They were already there back then. Oh, I love that game. That was the best submarine warfare game I've ever played. No, but you love warfare games. Yes, I do. I like flying planes too. Yeah, and you used to do that old, the but, old but not play. that simulator stuff. No, I like shooting things out of the sky. That's my favorite thing. Are you kidding? Dog me? fights. <laughs> you had the what the that World War One game? Yeah, that it? was kind of uh, that was kind of arcadey. It was it was a it was a downward view, and it's kind of hard to explain. And yeah, it was called Wings. It was only meant. It was only made for the Commodore Amiga. So don't be worried that you didn't hear about it because they never made it for these computers. But I bet if you find the game, uh, Linux could play it. You know, and this is something that we didn't hear about as well. With this, it says, as always, the U.S. took extraordinary measures to avoid civilian casualties and to comply with the law of armed conflict. Yeah, keep going. Said Pentagon spokesman Captain Jeff Davis, every precaution was taken to execute the strike with minimal risk to personnel at the airfield. 
again, Brian, how do you they know? They warned the Russians like an hour or two hours beforehand so that they could get their people out. They did not. They left them there. This is how much the Russians love their people, too. They don't. We're going to blow up the base. Get your people safety. No, we'll stay right. you're going to stay right there and let them blow you up. See, it doesn't even say that. Right here it says, Davis also said Russian forces operating in Syria were notified in advance and that the planners of the strike took precautions to minimize risk to Russian and Syrian personnel at the air base. But it doesn't say if they stayed or not. He stayed where? You said that the Russians just told their people to stay there. They did. They did. I'm sorry. I'm not reading from cnsnews.com. I'm going from my memory. I have already researched today. So they, There's more to the story than CNS is reporting. Yeah, there is more because you knew more. <laughs> it doesn't say that they told them to stay there. You just have a looked up Tomahawk missiles to see what their range is. Since they didn't tell you in the in the article no, how far didn't. away the target was. Tomahawk missiles? Yes, dear. Mm. Okay. Tomahawk missiles. Yeah, what about DuckDuckGo? Okay. Oh, this is a whole thing explaining what we used. Yeah. From CNN, really? There's the length. The range is... 800 to 1,500 miles. There you have it. Speed, 550 miles per hour. So we just, like, <laughs> kicked butt. But, like, you said, tying this back up to what you were saying in the beginning of the show, there was only one reason that you even agree with this. Agree with what? What he did. Oh, to put the world on notice that <laughs> we're not putting up with your crap anymore. Joe, just straight up and fly right. You think it'll work? I, it already has. Well, you could do a better search, Susan. It, it since you're the producer. And could find this for the show since you're so curious. Well, you know, I didn't even think My, about the it. My information because... comes from daily reading of information. That's where my information I am my own source. But there's a lot more to the story. You just, you just always touch on the... You just say, oh, okay, it's a story about well, this. Well, because story. I know you would know more. Yeah, but people like links to the information, not just me rambling on. Oh, no. I mean, certain things, obviously, but um, knowing certain things of something you wanted to talk about, like what kind of missiles were they, uh, how kind of damage they do, what's their range and speed. All You're going to do a story about blowing things up with Tomahawk missiles. You should know enough about Tomahawk missiles. Because nobody else out there knows what a Tomahawk missile is either. Except other people who play video games like me or, or board game war games whatever yeah you love it you don't like those arcane games don't i don't like arcade games at all um and lately i don't have time to really enjoy any game long enough to build up 
the reflexes to be good at the game. You know, you first start out, it's hard, it's hard to line up the plane to shoot, but you build up your fine motor coordination and now you're blowing things out of the sky. When it takes time, it takes practice. And frankly, I don't have that kind of time. Not anymore. No, I can't even play. I, I try to play a game every once in a while. I never even get to well, the last go time, anywhere. The I just last started. Time, yeah, last time you played a game is because, remember, the internet went out the entire day? Yeah. <laughs> and what we're we're using the phones for the, the internet. That's what we're using. Well, yeah, the cell tower's down. Or at least unusable. But I'm out of time. This has been the Uncooperative Radio Show. I'm your host, Brian Bonner from uncooperativeblogger.com. You're listening to uncooperativeradio.com. And say goodnight, Susan. Good night, Susan. And we're out of here. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.